What are you drinking there? Uh, I am drinking whiskey. Whiskey, huh? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Just straight? With ice. With ice. Okay. What about yourself? I got G&T. Jumbo sized. Do you have plenty of gin this time? I got a whole bottle. Mm. All going to be fine. Don't need post Okay, good. Oh, good. <laughs> See, I think for my situation, I would have to like, there's like a gate where I live. So I'd have to like probably go down there. So like, what is even the point of Postmates at that point? You know, hmm. like if they can't bring it directly to your door, preferably like you need like one of those things where just like they put it in a little compartment that like spins around and you take it. So you don't even have to interact with the person physically. I think you could probably hire like a task rabbit person to just show up like two hours earlier like are we talking about like in general or when you're recording i mean just in general okay i was like you could probably hire a person to like at some point just stay inside of the gate like not in your actual home you know but like their job is just to like have the postmates person hand it to them over the gate and then they walk up the steps and knock on your door yeah i don't know still have to open the door Okay, so even the door is an issue for you. I mean, you, just, you never know who's on the other side. I'm thrilled you don't live with another person. <laughs> mm, me too. <laughs> uh, whereas for me, it's even more funny. It's like an old, an old glory days of when he wasn't like weird and shitty and conservative. Adam Carolla thing of just uh, <laughs> your podcasting. And it's like the first listener who gets here of a bottle of gin. You're on the show. I do have an open seat over here. There you go. Mm-hmm. Like, do you remember the uh, the love line where like uh, Adam doesn't show up for an hour and a half because his car broke down? I've heard this that that love line. I've never listened to it myself. One of their legendary ones, I know. Yeah, it was very interesting because like in less than like the last half an hour, he finally shows up with like the woman who picked him up and gave him a ride and they just take her on, on a couple calls. I just wonder, is that like the, the doom of all comedians? You'll just eventually become like a reactionary right wing asshole. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, it was, it was there though. Like there was some, not necessarily the, the conservative aspect of it. Cause I don't think at the time I really picked up on it. But like, I liked the love line. I liked the persona he portrayed because it was like it was active enough and left pushing the boundaries. And it was a good, you know, with the foil of Dr. Drew, who's even more conservative than an asshole. But like the man show, that was a real I wasn't that wasn't my bag. Yeah, I mean, it was he was all susceptible to kind of right wing ideologies, I'd say. But for yeah, for a time, love line was an entertaining show to listen to. Back uh, yeah. almost 20 years ago now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyhow, should we start the podcast? Why not? Hello and welcome to Headcanon. I am Benjamin Light. And I am Marcus Sparks. Tinkle, tinkle. Uh, we are back this week. Our main topic of the evening is Everybody Wants Some. Richard Linkletter film from a couple of years ago. But before we, get, before we get to that, Marco, what are you watching? Uh, so today, what have I been watching? I started watching um, 
the new season of Luke Cage, and then I realized that I hadn't actually finished the last season of Jessica Jones. So I went back and watched a few episodes of that. Um, yeah, and then not just keeping up with you know new episodes of shows like Cloak and Dagger, etc. Nothing sexy. I'm I'm open to recommendations. Can, can I give you a note? Please give me a note. You can just pick one thing that you're watching that like you want to talk about. Yeah. But by all means, share the one thing you got. So I finally got around to rewatching some of the Dark Knight Rises. I had completely forgotten how that movie starts. I don't know how. It's a very famous scene, but really, I, yeah, I just like it. I was just thinking, oh yeah, it starts with like you know Bruce Wayne and like the dinner party and whatnot. I totally forgot about the intro, and so it was like it was such a delight. I was like, oh yeah, awesome. Which really pisses me off because you and I, uh, there is probably like 25 minutes of a podcast somewhere in the ether where you and I geeked out over like the pitch shifted leaked opening. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they say they work for the last man. Me. You're a, no, it's, you're a pretty big guy. <laughs> <laughs> or you. Yeah. yeah, the weird pitch shifting of um, Karketi's voice there. Yeah. And yeah, I watched like, I don't know, the first 40 minutes, 45 minutes of that. Um, it definitely falls off at a, at a certain point, but Anne Hathaway's done fun in it. The uh, the pace of that first 40 minutes is fantastic, I think. It, I mean, you're really just so jacked up. And then it, it weirdly downshifts when he gets in that big argument with Alfred. And mm-hmm. I think it never fully recovers from there. Yeah. I mean, it's, like it's I fine, saw it, but yeah. I saw it like two and one thirds time in the theater. Um that one third's time was I had something else going on in the afternoon and it was still in the theaters and I really just wanted to watch the first like 45 minutes again. <laughs> so I paid full ticket price just to go watch everything up until, you know, like right after he gets his back broken. Spoiler. Yeah. All right. Well, what are you listening to? Um, uh, The new Florence and the Machine. Hmm. All right. I am listening to. So that was my one thing. I only picked one thing. That's yeah. great. Um, congratulations you did it i am listening to uh red by taylor swift on repeat um this is the music i listen to when i write uh, at least for this particular book and um you know it's to get me in a, a youthful mindset i think i'm about played out of it though it really like it's the first half of the album and then it really drops off hmm. mm-hmm. okay uh, what are you reading, if anything? Um, not much. Still puttering out the occasional Kelly Link short story. No change. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, I'm just finishing up 70s. I think what I want to read next is uh, that uh, the book that that Janelle Parrish movie is based on to all the boys I've loved before. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. I'll be reading that soon. Um, That's a good one. Yeah. Did you have anything you wanted to discuss before we move to our main topic? No, I mean, uh, I haven't really been too in touch with like the the world of geek news or what have you. The stuff that we tend to touch on on this podcast anyway. Um, so I was going to actually implore you to share with me what's happening in the world. Uh, not much. I don't know. Um, like in, in what? In, in the world of like popular culture? I guess, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of hand-wringing over whether or not they're putting the Star Wars spinoff movies on hold. Mm. Nothing. 
perhaps it's really come to that other than maybe or maybe not they have depending on who you believe Mm. Uh, we did get a tweet from i think it was samantha curtis wanted to let me know that she worked in a movie theater and uh, she completely agreed with me about not moving i don't know if you got any tweets on that but that was one i got no i mean i i I think i pretty much said the same thing um no you didn't you said you'd move no i said in the case you gave of like a big family and another big family i feel like they're going to move i said for myself no i pick my seats very carefully you know we have this all on tape that's what i said okay um i always been fascinated when you and i agree on something and you're still kind of horny for like it's a you versus me thing I it's cool like, i feel like i should edit in at this point in the podcast what you said last week i would not be shocked if you did and so if i'm totally mistaken there it is. But my recollection was I had said that I, I don't move. Hmm. Okay. I had even mentioned, I think, in Infinity War that someone had made the request to me. And I I think you said you did move. No. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, shall we talk about everybody wants some? Let's do it. <laughs> do you have an opening statement? <sighs> um, spoiler, this movie has spoiler a- warning, by the way. Not that this is a spoilable movie, but. For this two-year-old movie of no plot. Um, this movie has a terrible original title of That's What I'm Talking About, which is kind of hilarious and fitting. Um, to me, this movie feels a lot like a cross between like a like a early Noah Baumbach movie or like a Whit Stillman movie. Uh, it's it's definitely like a film genre I'm not on its own like super crazy about where a bunch of like chauvinistic like bros of a capital B get together. It's a bunch of young actors getting misadventures, feeling out their wild oats, doing lots of mini monologues and waxing philosophical. We're supposed to enjoy watching them misbehave. The only thing I could hate more about that on the face of it is if like instead of like a baseball team, they were like stockbrokers or something. But um, this movie, like the first half an hour, I really didn't care for. And then it started to charm me. Um, It's an interesting movie because it's mostly driven by dialogue, not by plot, not by visuals. Uh, about how you find yourself or find meaning for yourself in the process of destination. And it's it's where I think Linklater shines. He's a pretty casual, laid-back dude who's not afraid to examine life. He's not obsessed with homages, even though he came from a same era of indie filmmakers who were obsessed with homages and who they're copying and what they're doing. And it makes his prolific philosophical bent very interesting to me. Um, so yeah, I I grew to really enjoy this movie by the end of it. But the first half an hour to 40 minutes, I thought, oh, fuck, why why am I sitting through this? Um, and then looking back on it, you know, I kind of appreciated some of those moments, too. So for the most part, it's a thumbs up for me. How about yourself? Uh, I liked it. Um, I'd say this is a very lackadaisical, low stakes vibe to this movie. In something like In the Land of Women, I think that was a problem. But here, I can't say I really minded. Um, I never felt bored or like wanted to check my watch. Everything just kind of flowed. I generally enjoyed all the scenes, even if I wasn't like totally loving any of them. Um, mm-hmm. It's a nice little slice of life from a bygone era. It does make me wonder like, if I could tolerate the same kind of movie set in the modern day or if the period setting kind of gives it license to be less self-conscious. Um, I can't say I had a college experience very similar to this, but there were little things here and there that reminded me of people I went to school with. I was never a big fan of Days and Confused, but I think it'd be fair to say that I enjoyed myself in this movie. I think it's a better movie than that, which is... I'm sure a hot take that people who like that movie. I just, I don't know. I never liked that movie. Mm. But yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed it. I appreciate that it's not 
a, a wacky nostalgia fest, even though there are those little little bits here and there. Um, but I mean, we'll get into it. But it's an interesting movie because it's it's kind of about what it's not like. There's these guys in search of women as much as women can define them. It's a baseball team. We barely see them play baseball. It's a college movie about freshmen in which really it's all about like the, the five days leading up to that. Um, it's, it's a brave movie to have like a main character who's like fairly passive and curious and just kind of going along with everyone. I have to admit, I was curious to see what you'd think of this movie after, uh, after toy soldiers when you're just not here for like the dude bro stuff. I was like, I wonder what Marco will think of this. Some of this dude bro stuff I is a little more toxic and a little more terrible. I mean, these guys are definitely growing up in an era where they have like no like consequences. Less so, personally. I feel like this movie Interesting. It, it has I, I, I can sense the modern thumb on the scale, I guess. Where it's like, mm-hmm. yes, these are jackass dudes, but they never quite cross certain lines the way they do in say to- toy soldiers, or probably like Daisy Confused, you know. But I, I also think that there is a thing where you you were that dude, bro, in Toy Soldiers era and you you did like kind of idealize some of that. So as we I all like know, that, I, I did have a racket where I sold alcoholic mouthwash in my prep school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When the hostages came, you were you were like, I'm fucking living for this shit. Um, I, I was Sean Aston. That's true. Yeah. But I mean, like, I feel like if you were to say like in, in a modern sense, oh, I look back and I don't like Toy Soldiers. That would truly be you at war of yourself. So, um, well, yeah, I mean, I, these I, guys are, this, this is, I this, enjoyed it. This movie takes place like a couple of months before I was born. So, you know, I don't relate to these guys as much, but yeah, it's fine. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. What are your top moments? You have any honorable mentions? I have an honorable mention. What about you? I have one as well. Okay, uh, I guess I'll go first. Mine is, it's not so much the full scene, but it's the cologne scene. Mm. Um, it's one of the many scenes. Almost put that one about, yeah. Okay, they're about to go out like on their, their they were, so basically let's set up the plot real quick for anyone who hasn't seen this movie. which They're I think musking up, that's the plot now. They're, they're musking up, but the general of the movie is, you got the main guy, Jake, who's played by the former Mr. Melissa Benoist. Um, oh, really? Who was really good, Edge of 17, which is another great teen comedy about uh, with a song title but uh so they're they're going to college they're on the soft the college softball team or football team uh it's like the thursday before classes start and so they spend every night just basically going to like the local clubs like trying, trying to get, to get laid. yeah yeah so they're musking up the main guy here is uh what's his name McReynolds, who's like tv superman i did not um, realize that that was tv superman it blew me away when i saw that on IMDb. That, yeah, it's the latest TV Superman. They're talking about their methods of cologne. He's got a great moment when the stupid freshman at the pube stash, and he's just like, get it guy. on there. Move it around. Oh, this is the only time I'm talking about him in this entire podcast. I hate him. He doesn't know what the five-knuckle shuffle is. So after everyone leaves and he's been like shamed about his cologne style, he puts a little cologne on his neck, and then when no one's looking, he pours it down his pants. That shit burns. <laughs> I'm just saying. I've seen you do that in the parking garage before. The parking garage? I do not recall, but I'll take your word we for it. Were, we were driving all day to, and we were stopping in the Bay Area to meet some friends for dinner. And we knew we kind of had like the car sweats. And so we were like changing shirts in this parking garage and like doing our best to be presentable. And I glanced I over and you're like, you did a little musking up. And then you just like, you kind of glanced around and like pulled up open the pants forward and just kind of poured a little down there. Oh, go me. I don't remember that, but good job. And I was, I was just like, be careful where you're pouring that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it does burn, but, you know, I like the burn. 
Uh, my number for my first honorable mention here would just be the baseball practice scene. Um, mm. It was enjoyable for me for several reasons, like 50% of which was just like watching the way they moved and kind of uh, enjoying how unathletic they looked. Uh, mm. Like none of those pitchers, like maybe maybe the main dude Jake had like a halfway decent windup, but uh, I just I found that all very amusing. Just in addition to all the, the other you know context that's seen as well. The one crazy asshole has an appropriately like crazy asshole like pitching style. Oh yeah, yeah. He's like a little old school with his like big long wind up and everything. Well, that's that scene I, I do find interesting just because all we get to see is the unofficial slash mandatory slash volunteer like like team only first practice. Like legally, the coach can't show up to this one. And so they're like they're it's kind of it's like not even like the official auspices of their their baseball team and they're practicing. It's really interesting uh, in this movie. Um, so my number three with my top moments, uh, as as is my purview, I tend to cheat a little bit. But basically, my number three is just the dating game. It's a lot of Be- Beverly's wacky avant garde theater nerd party, but especially the dating game with the cast of Alice in Wonderland, which is just perfect for this setting and these characters. And then Jake shows up late as the super brotastic rabbit. Who's late for his date and trying to like high five the queen of hearts. Those college kids really went all out on the, uh, the mise en scene at their party there. That party is impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, as far, I mean, like I, when Beverly's like, Oh, I have to spend a bunch of the afternoon, like decorating for a party. I was like, how involved can that be? Mm-hmm. And good job. Pretty involved, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my number three was a scene where they're like floating in the river lake. I don't know where this is exactly, but they're it's Jake is telling Beverly about his college essay. Um, mm-hmm. I think I was just like so impressed with the the subtle genius of his college essay essay being kind of like a, a line at the same time that he's using on her. I was just like, damn, yeah. this guy's good. Yeah, there you go, Jake. Um, my number two moment, I feel like could could very well be your number one moment hmm. um it's willoughby and the other gang are like getting high and like he's waxing nostalgic about twilight zone and pot and pink floyd and later on you find out like twilight zone is like a key to his his <laughs> fake name um but he's, i'm surprised he's, like, that's not your number one no no yeah. um but as he's like explaining like just the brilliance of this uh, great Pink Floyd song called Fearless and there's a certain scale of music and the trick is to find your spaces in between those notes. Um, and then it breaks these guys all try to have like a telepathic moment <laughs> where he's going to broadcast the thought to them and they're going to pick it out. And it's finally he's like, what am I thinking about? And one guy's like baseball. And the other guy's like having a tail. And the other guy says cereal. And then finally Willoughby's like, damn it, it was sharks. <laughs> thinking of sharks uh yeah that's my number two as well um i am not normally big on like the um philosophical pot pot yeah pot philosophy but i I feel like this scene was interesting in spite of that um i also thought it was really interesting i don't know if you noticed but um jake doesn't actually smoke did you did you happen to catch that how he takes like the little like thing of weed out of the bong and then he's basically just sucking water steam or whatever and then he puts it back in like it's very mm. subtle and it's like unless you're really paying attention you wouldn't notice that but you kind of get the sense that like he doesn't totally feel like he fits in with these people but he's like trying his best to kind of you know be a teammate he is with like pretty much every stratosphere of the various levels of these these assholes mm-hmm. um i mean like in general i love that 
their main gripe of him isn't that he's like the freshman on the team. It's that he's the pitcher, <laughs> which they consider the necessary evil. Um, so my number one, which is my cheat, is it's pretty much Jake and Beverly's night. Everything after they leave the party up until the the floating on like Camp Crystal Lakes Lake there, um, where he finally gets her to answer the question of, does she actually like him as she indicated? Because he's the quiet guy in the back seat on their first meeting. Or was it just a fuck of his teammates? And the answer is a little bit of both. And then he gets into his his high school essay on his love of baseball compared to Sisyphus pushing the boulder up the mountain. And his like uh, his reasoning about how like that torture is kind of a, a blessing because it gives you a purpose in life and just take what comes. Yeah, like I said, it just evolves into this whole line. It's and these amazing. two characters... They have nothing in common except for like their shared love of their passion and devotion to it. And so, but they're kind of cute the way they vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My number one scene was the the phone call between them when Beverly calls Jake after he leaves uh, like a note and some flowers on her door. I just, I don't know. I enjoyed it. It wasn't too, it wasn't too overwritten. You know, it, mm-hmm. it had that realism to it where they're not just like flinging zingers back and forth at each other. Um, it was just a fun scene. Oh, I could relate in the most modern sense when finally Beverly's like, like you can tell she's trying so hard to be charming. And then finally she's just like, I don't really like talking on the phone for extended periods of time. I well, I mean, it, was a, my... it was a little bit of a dance of like, who's going to make that move, you know? Yeah. And yeah, he's just playing cool. I should add that my, my number one moment does also extend to when they make their goodbye before class, like everything with, him watching her get dressed and then the the walking away like they just spent like a whole night together and they're parting and like they both want to like look back and see the other like looking back at them um so that uh, that brings us to our our newest segment on this podcast do we think they smashed i say no really okay here's the I thing i think you just went and slept oh oh you mean after you're you're talking about after the lake yeah Okay, what about before the lake? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. I think we're in a before sunset thing where they both clearly have a different memory about like he's like we totally had sex that night and she's like no we didn't. I wouldn't have had sex without a condom and you didn't have a condom. Hmm. Um because we see them like I don't know circa midnight at one o'clock at the latest and then suddenly it's like six in the morning and they have this kind of beautiful afterglow granted six hours with the person you just met and you're vibing on it's a great time to just sit up and talk but they're also in like swimwear now i I mean i guess my thought is that they've gone back to her place eventually he's still wearing his clothes oh yeah you know well i i think once they went back to her place he just got some face down passed out time yeah Yeah, yeah it's possible um because you just i mean that's adorable if you're just like hey let's go back to your place and like take 15 minutes to smash real quick before going to class but it's not super romantic and also they're exhausted Mm -hmm. ambiguous uh any complaints about this movie um i guess my complaint lies with myself and just like gearing up for that first half an hour i mean there's some there's some there's some fine moments in that first half an hour, but I was just like on this kind of edge of, am I going to like this or not? Um, no, I mean, cause I've seen a lot of movies that do this kind of same thing and I, I, I appreciate it. So I don't really, yeah, I um, think it's kind of daring and it's, it's like 
refusal to have a plot and mm-hmm. just to be about a certain moment in time. I mean, I, I think you could say it needed some more Zoe Deutsch. Um, mm. Minor nitpick, just the, the baseball scenes weren't that athletically convincing, but I don't care that much about it. Um, it was amusing in its own way, but yeah, I don't know. It was just uh, it was a good hang, this movie. Mm-hmm. I could have I mean, maybe done with a little less. I think the character's name is Plummer. Like, I feel like I guess because he's a freshman, that's why he's hanging around. But like, if that if that had been like Ryan Guzman or somebody else, I wouldn't have minded. Wait, which one is Plummer? Um, Stash? No, no, he was he's like the other guy that's getting high with. Oh, them. the guy with the fucking voice. You know who he looks like? He looks like. Do you remember? He looks the, like the guy um, from Club Dread. He looks like the son, um, the Grayson son from Revenge, but like squished a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who have kind of like this like. Like he just got high bro voice. Like yeah. I can't I stand him. I almost I almost couldn't stand him as much as I couldn't stand Nesbitt or Pubestash. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Well, uh, let's see. Shall we just get into our general discussion here? Yes, please. What do you think of just the the general vibe? Like, do these do these guys seem cool to you, yay or nay? Um for the most part, no. Eventually, I warmed up to like Finnegan. I guess there's something about their lack of like self consciousness that seemed interesting to me. Like, it makes me wonder. Like, does irony make youth culture more or less cool? The thing about like the Finnegan character and that dude, that dude is with Zoe Deutsch in like the new Netflix movie with Lucy Liu and Tay Diggs. Yeah, which, that's, that's a sexy. That that's a sexy cast right there. Mm-hmm. Um. That guy, That's by the super, way, super sexy I'm cast. pretty sure that is um, it's a stock exchange. There's no money here. I'm pretty sure it's that guy. You think so? Okay. He's No, he's in the movie. I'm not sure if it's that guy or like the other guy, his friend, but he's one of those two guys. He's one of the like what, one of the, like the shoeshine guys. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. I can see him being a shoeshine guy. <laughs> really? Why are you people here? <laughs> Yeah, there's no money to steal. <laughs> Time to go mobile. Um, <laughs> but like, uh, so this movie reminds me so much uh, of just a different era, different type of like where these these characters are mired in their thing and where they are in college. But like Noah Baumbach's first movie, um, Alive and Kicking, mm-hmm. like the Finnegan character is the Chris Eigenman character in that 100. percent Is um, that the uh, Spader character? Spader character. And I, it's been a long time since. Isn't James Spader in that movie, or am I thinking of someone else? You were definitely thinking of something else. <laughs> Who am I thinking you're, of then? You're probably thinking of that Brady Snell's movie, Less Than Zero. I gotta look this up. Or maybe, no, are you talking about kicking and screaming? Kicking and screaming. I'm sorry, what did I say? Lime kicking? No, mm-hmm. terrible. Kicking and screaming, which is not the Will Ferrell soccer movie. Um, put the tweet down. But uh, yeah, like he's like almost to the point where if I, I want to like create a false memory where Chris Eigenman spent time talking about his average cock. Some... Are you talking about Stoltz? No, I'm not talking about Stoltz. Stoltz would be the Willoughby character. Yeah, okay. It's I've only seen that movie once a long time ago. Which, yeah. What I was mean, the character you're talking about? Uh, whatever Chris Eigenman's character's name is. But it's uh, the Finnegan character. Finnegan, to me, is the coolest character, though I came to appreciate McReynolds over time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I Some of these characters I just fucking hated. Like Nesbitt, I fucking couldn't stand that guy. Like the L- guy L- who comes in... 
Well, like, and just the general, like, I'm going through your albums. I'm borrowing this one. Like, fuck you. <laughs> Cut your hand off. Um, Buter. What, oh, fuck I that guy, just, man. I was just in awe in one of those scenes where I was like, God damn. He is McConaughey. He's just doing the perfect impression. Yeah, and then he that loses guy. it. Yeah. That guy is in the uh, the movie with the girl from the I Will Possess Your Heart music video where she plays the the teacher who's having like a sexual obsession of a student. He's yeah, the student. Not familiar. <laughs> you should be. Um, yeah, I don't know. I get, Half these guys grew on me as far as the cool scale. I mean, I like Dale just fine. Well, you could definitely, uh, you could imagine this movie starring a bunch of comics like, I don't know, like Michael Showalter and all the usual suspects and it would have just been a parody. Um, I like that this movie well, is at least committed well, to what time error are you the, referring to where Michael Showalter is like the cool guy? Like the no, one Michael, on American Summer? Michael Showalter totally would have been the uh, the crazy pitcher. Okay. Like he would okay. have been that character and just like been all like weird and wacky and wild um, and, and doing a wet hot American Summer thing. But this movie was like not about parody and it was just like it was it was confident enough to be like uncool at times, which made it cool, I guess you could say. Well, like uh, the weird. Uh he's supposed to be like just like the rock punk guy but like the like kind oh, that of guy sucked, man. yeah yeah but like the fact that uh jake's just like this is my homeboy from like back <laughs> home yeah those guys what a joke but yeah it was time i don't know why i, I wrote down in my notes uh, it's not that funny to me now but for some reason it's funny to me that the movie called everybody wants some starts off with my sharona i like that song i wasn't super pleased with the weird edit they did to it yeah. Uh, did that like jarringly stand out to you? Yeah, yeah. I, I personally, I feel like you can't use my Sharon in your movie if you're not doing the entire breakdown. Like you just have to. You got to commit to the solo and everything. Which I think has only really ever been used effectively. I say effectively. In, uh, yeah. Um, like I, so, I gotta say in general. So at first, I was like, there was a part of me that was geared up to dislike this movie on, or like mark at a point because of the Van Halen title and then i started to realize like it's actually kind of brilliant because it's like one of my least favorite van halen songs i didn't even know it was not, a van halen song not that i'm a huge van halen head um the fingers yeah um <laughs> but like i the, then the song got me thinking okay well like this is the song where i i kind of like the chorus but i fucking can't stand the verses because david lee roth is such a sleazebag <laughs> and then i was like you know what though the title is perfect for this movie. It makes a lot of sense. And it's so much better than that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's, that's a terrible title. But yeah. It also bothered me that, that um, my Sharona, like it's introduced diegetically, but then it just keeps playing after he turns his car off. Was, that just threw me. Yeah. That's a weird thing. Um, what'd you think about the wig work? Or are they wigs? Are you well, telling me that Ryan Guzman doesn't have hair like that? I think Ryan Guzman needs to keep that wig. Like, <laughs> Boy Next Door would, would go up a full star in its rating if he had that wig the whole time. If he was just this character the whole time? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just like, like he's just like showing off his ass to J-Lo. Like, yeah. <laughs> Check but out even, that ass. But even McReynolds, like, he's got kind of like a... I don't know why. It's like, I, I want to say like Stifler at first. But that's not totally accurate at all. But No, like, no, that's not a Stifler at all. But like, that's a great look for him. Like... Oh, yeah. If I was Tyler Hochlin or whatever that guy's name is, I would just be like, this is my new look. I'm growing the stash out. I believe this guy would get totally different roles. 
I believe I read in the IMDb trivia that like this was the choice for him between like Teen Wolf season five and this movie, and he Made chose the right this call. movie. Which, yeah, seriously. Mm-hmm. I mean, because his first line is like, "I tell you something right now, I fucking hate pitchers." <laughs> so you and I will be teammates, but not friends or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And he like wipes his hand on the other guy's shirt. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think of the uh, the timestamps? Like, yay or nay? Um. Eventually, I think they work for where the movie goes. I mean, essentially, it's it's working backwards to figure out a certain timestamp. I mean, it's it's starting off. Where's this vignette? Where's this episode going to start? Like, for like a brief second at the end, I was like, oh, is this like something terrible about to happen now? Is it like this is like the morning that that, that guy shot up the campus or something? You know, like it just <laughs> like it felt like weird when he's like walking to class after she leaves, you know, but no. You're like, when did we start off that whole like rifle in the bell tower thing? Yeah. <laughs> Just walking in to see his father on 9-11, the World Trade Center. (laughs) And then Colby's mother's is a ghost the whole time. Mm -hmm. Um, Which the movie, I mean, the movie just like at first it starts off as like this like collection of like affectations to introduce all these characters. Like you got Kurt Russell's kid who's just like, sup, man, here's uh, Carl Sagan's Cosmos. Chapter (laughs) 9 will blow your mind, which made me want to go watch those Symphony and Science videos. But yeah, it, it works. So who was doing the waterbed? Was that McReynolds? Or Finnegan. Uh, it's either no, it's either Roper or McReynolds. I think it feels like a Roper thing. You think so? I I feel like McReynolds is like he's that guy seems like he's uh, too much of a veteran for a like a, a rookie move like that. Let's talk about the 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 this power structure of this wolf pack. Mm-hmm. McReynolds is clearly oh he's alpha, the alpha dog, right? Yeah, and then Roper's the guy. He's who, the like, Lancer, the clone. He's right? he's the Lancer, but I think Jake is uh, giving him a run for his money. Oh yeah, he's he's the uh, he's the, the Lancelot, young buck. Yeah, yeah. He's Finnegan is he's definitely the like D'Artagnan of this social group. Finnegan does not threaten McReynolds, but he's in a position of leadership. Yeah, yeah. They have a they'll they'll do like a bro nod across a crowded room, just like I see you and I respect your power. Stay mm-hmm. away from me. And then Willoughby is like their ghost Obi Wan. <laughs> Fucking Willoughby. So I mean, you're the uh, the Twilight Zone head. How did how much did you appreciate that? It works. I mean, so if you've if you've never seen a stop at Willoughby, essentially it's about a guy who would, would do anything to to live in the memories of his prime. Essentially, like he, <laughs> which is what Willoughby's doing. <laughs> yeah, it's like Willoughby's whole like grift. Um, and then you just then you've got a lot of just like guys who fall over, like Dale. Like he knows his spot. He's cool. Everyone likes Dale. I think. Um, then you got like the creeps, like Nesbit. I mean, Dale and uh, Dale and Finnegan are both like solid veterans like they no one's threatening them right in coma coma i feel like he could be replaced okay he needs to watch I, out i i appreciate the first introduction to coma i feel like i would have used that joke a few more times where he's the guy who's just always asleep it was mm-hmm. again as a Whit stillman thing where there's like a guy who might as well been called coma who's always asleep at parties i hated um, buter where this guy that fuck that guy the only time i appreciated buter was in the fucking weird scene where jake wants the room and oh, that was horseshit, man. That like, guy needs to get the like fuck stoic, out of there. Well, just the, the stoic McConaughey like trolling that he's doing to him. <sighs> it's just that's fucked up, man. That's that's anti-broker. That's all I'm saying. Okay, okay. Ooh, we should get into that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and then fucking Jay Niles. Fuck that guy. I'm glad we never saw the other house. Oh yeah, the 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 crazy pitcher, raw dog there. Yeah, raw dog. The fucking raw dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that guy needs to uh, fucking settle down. Which also, I equate the term raw dog to be something entirely different. <laughs> it may or may, not, 
may or may not mean the same thing. I'm not sure with that guy. Raw dog is something that Swayze does to you after a night of passionate hip work and dancing uh, when he's been bouncing. Um, speaking, yeah, of, so, speaking of dancing, can I just like uh, a huge missed opportunity in this movie? They go to a disco like a couple times. How do they not have Ryan Guzman just out there cutting a rug? Like he has like one minor little dance, you know, move thing of like 10 seconds on screen. And he's mm-hmm. doing like the worst dance in the entire movie. He's doing mm-hmm. some sort of like weird little like simulated booby grab thing with the girl he's dancing with. It's like, what the fuck is that, dude? Well, also, he he's he's shown that as a male danceable figure who's not afraid of his body, he's like, I've got two hands, two feet, a heart, and an ass that like can do things. Oh, yeah. yeah, I would I would have had him doing like all kinds of. Crazy we needed things. like the two minute long like dance extravaganza. Like, well, he's like a, the, in realize, the middle of boogie night scene, you know. I didn't realize he's a veteran of not one but two step up movies. Oh yeah, definitely. Did and, you know? And by the way, also he was in the hoedown episode of PLL, which respect true. my brother. Respect. Did you know? By the way, that uh, he spent a great deal of time in Rockland, California, because he's from Sacramento. He mm-hmm. he uh, he went to the school where I teach now. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's very local to to our hometown. Um, yeah. So I was going to say for people who were never going to see this movie essentially the team has two houses like off campus and so you got the cool guys in the one house and you got the other guys in the, I mean, team I, in the other house i guess this is all paid for the like, city I donated this is, i mean this is back first of all when college was much cheaper and second of all like i think they have scholarships so mm-hmm. like and this is the t- kind of college experience where like you just roll up with like a suitcase and like your equipment bag and a stack of records. And you're like, you're good. I'm in college yeah. now. Yeah. Which what I like about Jake, the one thing I like about Jake is that the first thing he carries in is the crate of records, mm-hmm. like not even his clothes. He carries his equipment bag and his crate of records. That dude has his priorities in line. But like I, I it got to the, the parts of a, of the sports thing that I appreciate, like the little factoids where one of the guys drops, like, you know, the thing about us is that we were all like the best baseball player back at our high school. Mm-hmm. And now we're kind of average together or something like that. I thought oh, that I mean, was really interesting. That's very true of college in general. I mean, it applies yeah. to sports. It applies to everything in college. Like college is like all the smartest people from their own schools together. Like that was a really weird thing for me to adjust to when I was in college. It's like, oh, everybody's a smart kid here. And what I like about the chronological school year timestamp is we don't get any bullshit where it's like, if you guys don't start acting right, like we're going to kick baseball team house like off the yeah. camp or whatever. <laughs> You're not on academic probation. Um, the, the coach gives them two rules, like no girls upstairs and no alcohol in the house. That you're just like, yeah, those are both getting broken like immediately. <laughs> oh, I, I, I was like, and the oh, coach had to job. know. Yeah. Yeah, you see the alcohol immediately when they bring the girls back from the sound machine. And then I was like, at first I was like, oh, good job, guys. You like designated the one bedroom downstairs, <laughs> like the fuck chamber. And then like the first person that gets in there is not leaving. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so they, they go out drinking like right away, which I guess is like a real bar where because this is a, this is a pseudo autobiographical link ladder thing. He was on the baseball team well, in for, his college. First, we get so our introduction to uh, Zoe Deutsch and her, her uh, roommate there. Yeah. So what do you think about her intro? Um, uh, I enjoyed it. I I like the move where like first the uh, Roper hits on him and they're just like fuck off, and then so he like he does the move where he just like drives around the parking lot and comes around and gives Finnegan a, a come around the other side, yeah. the other side of the car. That was a nice move, and he's just yeah. like, hey man, I just saw this real asshole back there in a car hitting on you. Yeah, yeah. Um, her friend, her roommate is was in uh, True for Dare. I spent like half the oh, movie. God. 
like trying to like place this girl who just for the first time you see her is just wearing giant sunglasses. You can only see her mouth. I'm like, where the fuck do I know this girl from? It is interesting that it makes her kind of seem like the the bigger character for a moment until Zoe Deutsch, you know, takes her glasses off and like leans in and, and you know, says she's into the dude in the back seat. Yeah, yeah. So she basically shuts down all the attempts to hit on her from the front seat. And she's just like me. I like the quiet guy in the middle in the back seat, meaning Jake, our, our protagonist. Um, yeah. God, I love Zoe Deutsch. She's so good in this movie. Um so they go out drinking after that. Zoe oh, Deutsch so, was my uh, my secret weapon to get you to watch this movie. I knew you couldn't say no. You were wise. I feel like uh, is it set it up. It's not set it off. I think it's Whatever it, up, it is, yeah. that's probably that, our next. That's movie, probably right? our next movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we're gonna see Flower, but that could be fun too. Um, so like they go to drinking, and I just I wrote down this one line because even though I'm still like in this kind of murky field where I'm not sure how I feel about this movie, but I also feel like I'm watching uh, Kicking and Screaming. Yeah, they point out he's filling the obligatory quota. Every every team has to have at least two weirdos. <laughs> also, um, okay, so first they go to the Fox and they all drink. Um, I think this is after Jake offers to buy the, a pitcher or something so he can like see what what rooms what room she goes, goes to. Into. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is where Nesbit shows up, which in coma. I guess, like these three dudes, like they bring in like three just boring ass ringers here. Like I could do with the, without these guys, I guess they're there you got to like fill it out, you know? Um, cause well, they they're like, the let's team. bring in, let's bring in the gamma guys from next door. Yeah. yeah man, this is the fucking B squad. Um, which is, which is, it's an interesting structure though, because you have like what, like a dozen characters and the movie's very smart about like, here's a dozen guys. They're, they're our, our troop, but really six of them are super important. We're just going to put them in this one house. So you're going <laughs> to, tend to get more scenes with them. This is where we're going to hang out. Uh, so they go to the disco um, to get introduced to the world of quote unquote college pussy. Was uh, this, um, was, I don't know if you caught it right when they first walk in, there's a girl in a red dress dancing. Is that Zoe Deutsch? I didn't notice. I kind of had the same question too. It's, like, it's like a really quick, up. like two second shot. And it's like, Hey, was that Zoe Deutsch? And then like, we never see her again in the scene. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Um, I like a good disco scene. They're all yeah. They got their a lot of uh, like faded blue jeans, big belts. You got your shirts. polyester shirts with the big collars, and they're unbuttoned the top button. Yeah, that's a good look, man. See, there's a there's a joke in it's it's a visual thing that works in like the trailer, but maybe not so much in the movie of Garden State where he's like wearing the shirt that's mm-hmm. also the uh, wallpaper. Yeah. And I feel like that's a lot of those seventies shirts or like the holdovers into the eighties that these guys are wearing. Man, these are some fucking terrible shirts. <laughs> maybe, but at the same time, like, are these guys doing it better than we do it now? I'm just I don't know, they might be. But it's like a Barney Stinson thing where like they suit up in their own mm-hmm. their own, you know, parlance. Um so this is where I think I really started to notice Finnegan, because we talk about how Finnegan's, you know, he's uh he's hitting on a gaggle of girls and his his move is that he doesn't sit there and talk about his big dick and boast about that. He talks about his average size cock, which is like refreshing to the girls. As as Dale puts it, it doesn't seem like compelling on paper, but he's it's talking about his dick. Yeah. To the guys. yeah, and so we hear the girls, you hear him talking to the girls, and he's like, I'm more of a performer. I'm more of the uh, grower, not a shower. And so then Dale drops the line, which is so dumb, but I loved it. Like, uh, some dudes had their foot in the door. This guy's got his dick in the door. <laughs> 
My other like red flag at the beginning of this movie is the amount of uh, of just real estate that is crammed with music. Uh, I mean, it felt right to me, I guess, as a period at movie. First, at, well, at first, I was like, that's never a good sign in a movie. Right? It's just like, pop song, pop song, pop song, pop song, no score, pop song, pop song. I, I felt um, like they weren't like total ringers, but they weren't like too obscure at the same time. Like, like Linklater was like trying to show off or something like this felt fine to me, like music wise. Well, ultimately, I came around to, yeah, he's he's definitely maintained like the it's not the greatest hits. That's not that inauthentic vibe. It's really like this is the slice of life music you hear. He's not um, again, my my biggest pet peeve and like musical directors is uh, or music taste and directors is Cameron Crowe. Yeah. Yeah. Cameron Crowe tries too hard. Yeah. And then he gets praised for it, which is bonkers to me. Oh, free falling. Wow. Anyhow. I mean, he he married the woman from heart. It's like, how much is she picking the music for him? That's what I'm saying. We meet, uh, I think this is Val and Michelle here. Yeah. Dance party quickly cuts to like a house party later on. Mm-hmm. These guys have like, they really go all out the first night. And I feel like they never quite reclap, re, uh, recapture the glory here, you know? No, I mean they they got too close to the sun on like wings made of like not having to wear condoms yet. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, this is of, like eighty, I think. Yeah, no one's wearing a condom in this movie. Speaking of raw dogging, uh, I will say this though: this is the second, this is the second and last time I mentioned him. Third time and last time I mentioned him. Pube stash. He's got a girl at one point, and then he loses her later on. <laughs> like, like is, he it, is he the one who's dancing with uh, with wow, Jake's Jake girl? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's smart enough because, like, Jake has clearly, like, ingratiated himself with the upper echelon of this uh, this social structure. He's just, like, step aside, pube stash. What did you think of uh, McReynolds' shirt in this scene? It's, like, black vinyl. Uh, let me let me go back to it. Talk amongst yourselves. He's uh, He just, like, strolls on in. He's wearing this, like, dark, shiny black, like, polyester shirt with a beer in hand, of course. Um, mm-hmm. He's just owning the room. Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially as he's, like, uh, following the girl up the stairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the first one to break the rule, so everybody else can. Willoughby's, like, doing, like, nude Tai Chi in his room. Of course, yeah. Willoughby's, like, the... He's not just on the team. He's, like, the pitching coach or something? No, he's the pitcher. Okay, but isn't isn't the coach mentioned something about how he's also going to be, like, the... Uh, the pitching coach in addition to being a pitcher maybe because he's like a transfer from another school so it's like they assume that he has like lots of experience you know little do they know Mm -hmm. well he does have experience um so i don't know who white russell's still still looking for that that role to take him to the next echelon you know I, i would say he's good in this um so so Jake, you know, everyone else has broken the rule. They brought they brought the girls upstairs. They've all been drinking beers. Um, so he's like going to go try to charm Buter, who whatever his real name is. He's like the country this bumpkin guy. Texas guy. This guy's like, who's, like upstairs his roommate. with this in his room, like drinking beers with these like hicks. Mm-hmm. Like he's a hick. Yeah. Well, there's like a party going on downstairs. Fuck this guy, man. Well, so Buter's whole thing is that he's the one guy in the group that has a girlfriend back home. So he's always on the phone of her and crying, mm-hmm. except when he's like drinking Lone Star beer with these fucking cowboy hat jackoffs. Um, but he won't give up the room for for Jake to bring his lady here. Mm-hmm. Not cool, man. 
no. So yeah, I might just accidentally freeze frame, but like right on nips. Um, yeah. So party time, everybody gets laid. Next morning, it's just like back at it. So Jake has to like sleep with his girl in the car. Yeah, because he uh, dude won't get out of the house. Yeah. And they're still like hanging out the next day, reading the paper, playing like Nerf basketball. Although there's like the one of the themes in this movie is that they're they're all super competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, that's you know supposed to make them good baseball players, but also that's just like the vibe of this whole squad is like they're all they compete about everything. Which uh, I want to say, it's, which seems to bother Jake maybe a little bit. Yeah, I want to say I read that somewhere. And like a link ladder thing that like that was a true thing from his mm-hmm. college baseball experiences. Um, so we get a moment. I believe this is where we get the moment where McReynolds has the axe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This scene almost been my uh, top moments here where he's yeah, like, yeah. using an axe like a baseball bat to cut a so baseball they, in half. They pitch it in. Yeah, they compete over everything. And Nesbitt's whole thing is that he's constantly betting people that they can't do something. And he always like puts like terrible odds for himself on it. They're all his bad and bets. So, yeah. Yeah. So Nesbitt can basically, like he's swinging a bat, he can slice a baseball that's pitched to him in half of his axe. Two out of three times. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, there's a a bit here where Jake is talking to uh, Kurt Russell's kid while he's like rolling a joint. And like, it really, like, based on that scene later, it seems like this guy's just like trying to go with the flow of everyone he talks to, even though he doesn't really fit in. I guess Mm -hmm. is maybe the subtext there. Yeah, because he doesn't actually smoke anything with uh, Wyatt Russell as he's like rolling that spliff or whatever. He's no. just basically like, we're going to go smoke this. Do you want to join us? And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. And through um, through this whole movie, we haven't mentioned it that much, but Finnegan is just like, he's, I don't know, like, a, you know, a bro philosopher. You know, he's mm-hmm. it's a constant stream of uh, kind of bro wisdom and you know thoughts about uh, the the whole group dynamic and his you know personal philosophy and all that he's the cool guy in charge of most of these groups who's not not super flashy about uh taking on he's also like i appreciate finnegan just because he's the guy who realizes we're doing baseball right now like for all of you who are like super obsessed with like will the scout see us will we get like he's the one he he knows he's not going pro yeah yeah, he's just like, this is what I'm doing right now. It's not my future. Yeah, McReynolds there. He's got a sweet swing there, that axe. Mm-hmm. I really hope that that was like uh, some kind of training thing. Where it's <laughs> like, a hundred times, yeah. Or it was like, are you sure, Tyler? We looked at your schedule. You could easily do like the first five episodes of our Teen Wolf show. And he's like, no, my sensei won't let me. That show sounded horrible. I, I don't care. I don't care. About Jake that. is like his special method for beating uh, space invaders. Oh, uh, they don't fire you from the front row. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Oh, uh, pube stash. Oh, fucking pube stash. I keep bringing him up. I hate him so much. He uh, he uses the thing when he's shooting pool. Oh yeah, the the little stick holder or whatever. Yeah, they they make fun of him for it. Of course, I like. There's a bit where McReynolds is like. He's talking a bunch of shit while playing foosball, and like Willoughby's getting annoyed with it. You know, he's like, "I'm not having fun" or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's your your musking up scene that you liked. I mean, oh. this this whole movie is just like 
there's no real rising action, really. I mean, you, you know school is coming eventually. But uh, other than that, you know, I mean, I guess you could say there's a little bit of a, like, a will he get back to Zoe Deutsch eventually. But it's just kind of well, like he, it just flows. The movie doesn't even really bring up that question for, like, the la- until, like, the last half an hour. Um, when he finally, like, puts the flowers and the note in her door. But, like, yeah, there's the crack, the, the hilarious thing where Mick Reynolds is just, like, just telling the guy, like, no, like, you got to put that shit all over your chest and neck. <laughs> you got to rub it all over, yeah. Um, so, uh, Roper, uh, Mr. Ryan Guzman, thespian, has, like, not only invaded Jake's room, he's, like, taken one of his shirts while he's, like, doing his, like, ass show offs in the mirror. Yeah, he's looking for a good shirt. Yeah. I'm keeping this shirt, but he, 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 uh, isn't that what Steve did to you? Didn't Steve, like, just come in mm-hmm. and take your fashion? I think it back of, eventually. You had a lot of bowling shirts in high school. Nah, I had like one bowling shirt. I had a lot of uh, a lot of polyester button-up shirts. Let's put it that way. Not too dissimilar from what there were in this movie, but I would say maybe a little bit cooler. You would say that, um, yeah, yeah kind of like, like fake crush velvet button-up shirt. Yeah, and fucking Nesbit steals the leopard print. This album. So they is this the first, this is the second sound machine. They go back to the sound machine. This is when fucking Raw Dog is a goddamn psychopath. Well, this is when like it just doesn't go their way this time. Like they're not all hooking up with chicks. It's like the girls are blowing them off. Like they're all just sitting around being lame. They're not on the dance floor. And then yeah, Raw Dog just like loses his mind over the way the bartender makes his uh, screwdriver. screwdriver there. Which like obviously the bartender did it because this guy's a complete fucking jackass. Like he deserved yeah. it. Well, so. Jay Niles, the raw dog himself, his thing is basically like, you're all here just to play like like college baseball. I intend to be like scouted. I'm 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 the real fucking deal. I'm going I'm going forward. Um, He's seemingly always doing like a line of coke just off screen. Like you don't see it, but it's happening. He's he's he God. He's so reminiscent of. um, So who did this guy go on to become? He goes on to become. I feel like I feel like he goes on to become the guy with the mullet in Ghost World. Who's like doing like karate in the parking lot outside the the gas station, and then he settles down at some point and he grows up to be Mike Judge in Office Space and like the uh, like yeah. really worried about the player. Like flare. he's got that yeah. fuck, that fucking look. So, anyways, these guys they all basically the bartender's cool with them. He will give them all free beer, and then Raw Dog's whole thing is just like you guys are drinking pussy drinks. I need to drink like the real shit. I'm going to go order screwdriver. a screwdriver at this college bar. Also Val uh, is like dancing with the football player here. She's already moved on from Jake. Get it Val. Mm-hmm. Um, and even Dale, I, I like that Dale's just like, it's college man. Girls can get it like guys can. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so basically the, the bartender puts like a, a slice of lime in the screwdriver <laughs> and raw dog. Was and just like mind. stares him down. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this uh, just a fight. They all get kicked out of the sound machine. Well, it's like they they have to get their their teammates back, even though he's a complete asshole. But it's like it's just like part of like the the team code or something. It's like they have to stick together. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> they're all deciding like, okay, how can we salvage tonight? How can we still like uh, you know get it wet? Wardrobe change. Um, war- 
the off-screen wardrobe changes are, are uh, hilarious. Like, Where did these uh, guys get all these like ten-gallon hats that they're wearing in the next scene? Well, it's 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 kind of like I didn't realize it the first couple times. It's the brilliant joke that like Linklater is so smart to like really not stress is that they're constantly like going back home and changing clothes before they're invited to the next party, the next like genre of like society that they're hanging out with. Well, they they eventually um, mention it that Jake does about like how fake this is. You know, like they're just like yeah. constantly doing wardrobe changes to fit in at whatever new party they're going to which is for these guys on this kind of hunt i i totally believe but so yeah like they're they, they're gonna salvage night they're gonna go to the country and western bar and like get it done um but they're disinviting like raw dog to come and so he's like fine i'm gonna go home and do some push-ups work on my ass maybe read a book hell i'll even run home and then as he runs off he yells check your pillows tonight man <laughs> and they're like what the fuck does that mean I couldn't help but think about that. Like, I think I hate that character, but I think that's when like the ice thawed, and I was like, "This movie's good." <laughs> Interesting. I, when they're all riding the bull here, I couldn't help but think like today, like in modern times, that would be like they'd probably all be like uh, prevented by their like scholarships or whatever from like participating in any like activity that could possibly injure them. You know, like they'd all have to like mm-hmm. be very careful to you know not get injured doing shit like riding a bull. Yeah, but yeah, they've all suddenly got cowboy hats because they go to the country western bar. They have some country shirts. Um, some of them are wearing like it could be the same shirt that they wore to the sound machine, the disco bar. Um, yeah, they're just getting it down to a cotton night show. Yeah, <laughs> where did you come from? Where did you go? Yeah, I feel like the the disco is a better scene in this place. But Finn again, of course, he's uh, he's just got his cowboy hat and he's waxing poetic as usual. Mm-hmm. Line dancing. Ugh. So then, yeah, Professor Willoughby's in session with the um, the bong hits and well, you get the, uh, the about very finding com- yourself the very competitive ping pong game with McReynolds yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's it's one where he loses, right? Yeah, he loses and he throws his paddle. And takes a hit of like some Jack Daniels or something. Oh, uh, yeah. And then there's like the knuckles thing. It's just a lot of crazy competitions and shit like that. Like stupid things that guys do. Yeah. Which this is, this is a whole section of guy shit that I could never fit into. Like just sitting around and like flicking each other's like knuckles. Yeah. Not into that. I could, I get like, competing like in ping pong or other games and whatnot but just like the like just hitting each other in the knuckles like a, yeah can't really relate to that as much yeah um, so this so is pink goes, floyd i could have sworn this was uh led zeppelin but it could be wrong fearless by pink floyd okay it's uh, a great song yeah so then as they're just like kind of strolling looking for trouble they run into this guy who looks like uh um oh what is his name jesse camp is what he looks like yes yeah he looks like mtv's fucking jesse camp i saw this guy and i was just like fuck that guy immediately i hated this guy i wanted i was hoping they'd all like beat the shit out of him yeah yeah so he's he's the guy who like once he he realized yeah once he realized he's not getting the scholarship he grew his hair out he's like fucking like pencil thin super pale he's wearing like the uh the sleeveless jean jacket yeah, the big black boots. He's got like the fucking lock chain around his neck. Mm-hmm. Um, Anarchy and symbol wants... on the back of his uh, sleeves jean jacket there. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like, 
he runs in the Jake. They're all they're all bros. He brings them in, they like, get high with them and drink beer with them. Um, and like, do you want to go to our punk show with us? Which I think they're going to go see the band that they claim that Green Day rips off of and High Fidelity, you know. But uh, Sticky Little Finger or something like that. Sticky Little Fingers, yeah. And so uh, uh, Finnegan is down because he's down for any party. The other guys aren't. Uh, Coma looks like an undercover cop. Yeah. Yeah, um, these guys like totally don't want to go to this lame punk show. But they're just like, ah, fine. Uh, I love. But, the, by the way, the look at the Asian guy in the couch. Oh yeah, that guy's got a look, man. That's a good look. <laughs> by the way, um, you will enjoy this. Maybe none of our listeners were. Um, one of the like few ways that we could really piss off Jesse Thorne in college was to compare him to Jesse Camp. He got so mad when we were like, "Hey, are you actually Jesse Camp?" And he would just like vehemently deny and get really upset. So I think maybe he was. I don't think you ever talked about that before. Yeah, that you went to college and were close personal friends with Jesse Thorne. Mm. <laughs> which is which is why this podcast is not on the maximum fun network <laughs> anyways maybe he's jesse camp that's all i'm saying um this asian dude has he's basically looks like trent from daria <laughs> he's got like a like a weird goatee long like short length hair that's kind of so you're saying or a hair sprayed up you're saying it'd just be like hi i'm into punk now well maybe but he doesn't talk at all he's wearing no, he like says a uh a British flag T-shirt under his button-up shirt, and he just like does a lot of like eyebrow work. This, this guy's party. this guy's look is so much better than the the, the Jesse Camp dude here, yeah, for sure, for sure. He looks so or much like, more relaxed. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's he's definitely on something, but like just for the weird affectations or the groups that you would join to try to be cool. I mean, like even even to start a college, you have the same thing you had in high school, which is the summer transformation. Mm-hmm, Mm-hmm. Where you try to find like that place where you'll finally belong. Yeah. You grow a goatee. Decide it's yeah, and you. it lasts. Oh, yeah. Talk about that. Mm. Nothing needs to be said. Did you, didn't you dye it, too? Nothing needs to be said. <laughs> you know, they, there's a whole thing where Willoughby's like making some, I don't know, like pop brownies or something like that. And he's telling like Plumber, like, to like strain out this and put it in the brownies and then like plumber just ignores them. They never follow up on that. There is no like, Oh no, the brownies will make you too high or anything like it. It's just like completely gloss over that. There's a couple of moments where I would write down like, Oh no, don't do this. And I'm like, the, the movie's never going there. Yeah. I'm the just my, not interested. I'll get to my biggest one in a minute, but yeah. So Jake's big transformation is he puts on like a sleeveless, like kind of V-neck shirt, and he has a necklace that just has duck's feet on it, like actual duck's feet. I talking about when they go to the punk show. When they go to the punk show, yeah, yeah. and they go to a mosh pit, yeah. Uh, hey, I want to talk about his move here with uh, Zoe Deutsch leaving the note on her door an hour into the movie. Uh, before I do that, I need to uh, go fill up. It's all right with you. Absolutely, it's all right with me. All right, do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get it. All right, shall so we? I I gotta ask real quick. Are you like? Are you? Uh, are you throwing some shade? Are you suggesting that I name drop Jesse Thorne too many times? Is that the implication there? No, it's. I don't think you ever have. No, I definitely have at least once before. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Although I okay, I think in retrospect, and now I'm thinking about it, like Jesse now, like he's like weird and bald. So like the whole Jesse Camp joke is probably lost completely. You had to know what he used to look like. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was gonna say I don't think you ever had. I I don't even know if we've talked about um, his if you see Jordan. Oh no, oh, we that. haven't watched, talked about that either. Another podcast. 
the, the greatest improv suggestion of all time. Auschwitz. Oh man. Good times. I, uh, I just, uh, was, I've been recently rewatching like the office from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Michael Scott, like improv method was just like, like start off every scene of a gun. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Jake here, yeah. he's, he's making this move in the middle of the night after going to that lame punk show. He's got some, I don't know, peonies or carnations, perhaps. He's picked some flowers. He's taping them like with scotch tape to Zoe Deutsch's character named Beverly, her door, because he, he like spied on her way back when to like see what room she had, uh, along mm-hmm. with a little note that he wrote. He wrote uh, like a little page long note there. How do you feel about this mm-hmm. move? Yay or nay? The. Okay, let's get real. I've done mm-hmm. this before. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't do the flowers. Well, that was your mistake. It, it might have been. Well, to be fair, I mean, the move worked for me just fine. But like, oh. I mean, I've definitely gone back in a situation where I knew where the person lived. And it was like, this was, you know, this is pre phones, pre text messages, even pre like, I'm going to have this person's email. But I'm pretty sure like, it's cool for us to communicate. Like, you know, like I... I mean, I had don't you, think I was had you gotten a too hint, many social cues. Had you yeah, gotten I don't a think I was missing too many social okay. cues. That this would not be cool. Mm-hmm. And so I've left a note before. Um, I think the thing is when you're also young and experienced, you, you think it's bold, but you also try to do that thing where you're like, I'm just putting the ball in your court. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've definitely committed that sin when I was younger far too many times. Uh, my 20s were a real jumbled mess of. Uh, to the auburn haired girl in room 307. Yeah. I mean, that's that's not bad. I mean, he could have started off that note a lot worse. Yeah. Uh, carnations or whatever those are. I don't know. Couldn't find a rose, I guess. But sure. I guess well, I, I mean, guess it's uh, it's unassuming, you know? Yeah, but also the rose. Yeah, like I mean. Maybe a little too much. Expectations, but also, it's also kind of cliched. I mean, what what is the what is the most extra flower there? Would it be the tulip or the rose? Um, maybe the rose. I mean, I don't know. I mean, back to flower talk here. Mm-hmm. Like really, uh, when you're really trying to pollinate uh, a new lady friend. Um, I mean, I don't know. He could have like got some fucking sunflowers or something, mm-hmm. but this works just fine. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so then they have another party at the house. Uh, they invite uh, just house Camp just back. not like fall down by the end of the uh, Whoa. movie. How does McReynolds go back into his own bedroom, which we saw almost cave into the kitchen at yeah, the start yeah. of the movie? Um, what I love is in the background as I'm rewatching now. I didn't notice it at first, but uh, they invite uh, they invite the Asian guy back. I He's hope they invited the him, the but, but not Jesse Camp. Yeah, really. Oh, Jesse Camp's there. Yeah, so they're they're doing the cool guy stuff. They're they're playing like uh, uh, golf off of the roof onto like the you know cars on the street. McReynolds is working his angle with the dessert in the kitchen. He's seeing something with some crushed walnuts here, which just makes me think of fucking hereditary again. It's just bad. Nightmares. Uh, then the movie gets into a uh, a mud wrestling scene. Yeah, he's this is this whole bit, like not right here, but a little later on. Finnegan's like talking these two girls into like doing some mud wrestling or something. I don't get the point of mud wrestling personally. I've never gotten it, but I, uh, I, I guess don't. I'm not wired that way. I here's what you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. No matter how you much want, you gamble, want mud, you, just places. Yeah, 
you don't want there's only a very few kinds of stains that you want to encounter in the harsh light of day. Let's get real. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of just grime that you just it's not acceptable. It was wasn't worth what you were doing. No. And yeah, like muddy footprints up to the bedroom. That's not cool. No. But uh yeah, so like yeah, you, you they they code it like he's just trying to angle these girls for a threesome. Like, do you really want to look back on your life and <laughs> say that you said no to this ch- opportunity? And then they have a mud wrestling scene with these two girls. You got a little bit of Twister. You got some mud wrestling. Nesbit, I think it's uh, his shit taken out by uh, one of these mud wrestling chicks. Oh, riding the mattress down the stairs. Yeah. Yeah. This is just all the hits here. I don't yeah. know how, like, how do you keep this up all semester or whatever? You know, it's like, I feel like I well, need to sleep for a week after this, but I don't know. That's, well, that's me in my 30s. These kids are young, dumb, and full of cum. I, yeah, the, the, the way I can like fucking rave like a maniac now as to compared to even a year ago, it's mm-hmm. fastly different. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the dudes is like sleeping on a mattress on like the, uh, the roof upstairs on the second floor is when uh, the next morning when, when Beverly calls, we have this fun little split screen phone scene. Oh, the, the books I'm, I'm supposed to believe that Jake is reading the right stuff. He's a, you know, he's an intellectual dude. I guess he's a learned bro. Yeah. Um, I mean, he kind of gives you the impression, like, cause he's talking about writing a college essay for a lot of different colleges that like, maybe he didn't just get here on his athletic prowess. Like mm-hmm. he actually had to get accepted. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a fun little scene where they're just kind of feeling each other out on the phone. They're bantering, but they're not, uh, they're not trying too hard. Kind of feeling each other out. And eventually she's like, okay, well, it seems like you're not going to kill me. So maybe we should go hang out for real and get off the phone. Beverly's got a pretty prolific uh, music collection of her own. There's quite a few vinyl. There's some there's some cassette tapes. She's got a Joni Mitchell poster on the bed behind her. Is she the one um, who's really into the doors? No, no. So so Beverly's whole litmus test is, I don't know if it's, she's into the doors, but like oh, right, apparently right, she yeah. encounters a lot of dudes who think that Jim Morrison is still alive 10 years later. And so that's her, her question is to, to Jake, do you still think he's alive? And he's like, no, why? And she's just like, okay, good. <laughs> he passed. What is up with Finnegan's, <laughs> excuse me, Finnegan's weird shirt that he's wearing in the next scene here? It's all like weird oh, like and like paisley shirt? pattern. Whatever, yeah. yeah, somewhere around here, I was like, Finnegan's not, Finnegan's not bad. It like, just, uh, I, I mean, I, I feel like I... I don't want to say I went to college with the Finnegan, but I had like at least that archetype in our group, you know, not Jesse Thorne. Um, so I, I, I had an who, affinity. Who was your, Finnegan. who was your Finnegan? I don't know if you ever met him. He's named uh, Matt. Was this the guy who um, they eventually had to get the authorities to break into his dorm because he basically moved in with his girlfriend and uh, he hadn't come back to his dorm in like over a month. That could so, be true. It sounds like it's a good story, so let's say it is true. And his neighbors thought that he, like something might have happened to him. Sure, he's also the guy that, as we were driving down some lonely, dark street in Santa Cruz, like we were following some other cars, like just us and this other car late at night. He just like turns off the headlights. That might have been him. Yeah. <laughs> that was our Finnegan. So the um, the one anachronistic moment in this movie when Zoe Deutsch answers the door here, her hair looks way too good for 1980. It looks like modern hair. Yeah. 
Oh, it's Zoe Deutsch. Mm-hmm. It doesn't looks, look like a, an 80s style. Scene. Yeah, this looks like like a normal 2018 hairdo. I, I honestly cannot understand why she's not a much bigger star. I think she's working her way up. She's got yeah, I mean, Netflix I think people thing. are finally getting to notice how fantastic she is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because he... Jake gets away with a lot here. Like Jake's like, uh, she's got plans later. So on the phone, you know, they got, she's like letting him know I got plans later. I'm going to be really busy the rest of the day. And so he's like, Oh, uh, okay. I guess I'll come over right now in a little bit. And she's just like, okay. Strong move. Yeah. But strong move on his part. But also I'm kind of shocked that Beverly's like, sure. I guess I would just turn from like one level of looking awesome to this other level of looking awesome. I mean, she's still well, kind of adjusting her hair and she answers the door, but I feel like that's, um, that really lets Jake know where he's at, like pretty, pretty accurately. I'd say, you know, yeah. I'll come over right now. Like if it's a yes, then yeah, you're on the right track, bro. Uh, Beverly's also got a uh, a blondie, uh, you know, heart of glass poster on her wall, so she's she's pretty that fucking cool. Mm-hmm. But uh, Patty Smith. this is also this is also a time in your life where you're a lot more brave. Like, yeah, I'll be the word is fucking stupid, stranger, but yeah. Well, yeah, but also it's like you're you're really putting your like, dare I say, if I want to be romantic, like your heart first and like mm-hmm. chasing after it. Like there's a lot of situations in this point in my life where I was like, I should not have gone to that place and attempt to do that thing. It worked out fine, but damn, mm-hmm. that was foolish. And they get froyo. Huh? Yeah, they, they go get and froyo. Get froyo. Yeah. Oh, so this is uh this is one of my favorite lines because I don't think these characters have really anything in common other than the devotion to their passion but uh i love her utter clueless about baseball so she's she's trying to understand his whole vibe as a baseball player and so she's like oh is it baseball season now like when do you guys stop rehearsals mm-hmm. well i mean i think you could say that in terms of relationships is it more important to have things in common or is it more important to have personalities that mesh i guess well a little column A, a little column B, I think. Uh, so basically, Beverly's whole thing is she's very much into like music and performance and theater. And so they can kind of vibe on the process that mm-hmm. they each put into their thing. And that's that's why she's trying to understand his thing from her own perspective, hence the not practice but rehearsals. Mm-hmm. That might have been her being facetious as well. I don't know. I think Beverly's a pretty straight shooter. I feel like that would be a little joke on her part. I don't know. Uh, there's the whole bit where it's like in the locker room and like it's this whole joke where they get the guy on the floor so like he can get teabagged by another guy or something they try to do it to booter but that guy just sucks so he doesn't even go along with the joke he's he's too stupid to like haze well i like the the bit i think it's dale is talking about how like sometimes you're you just have to be the chump and it's like you just like it's it's character building to you know, be the sucker and you just have to be willing to, to take it and then like dish it out next time and like not get too butthurt about it. You know, yeah, it's, it's like, life it's lessons. Like, it's like an said. Sometimes you get chumped and sometimes you, you chump. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, cause so, so Buter, the asshole McConaughey junior, like roommate had to leave because his girlfriend was like two days late on her period. <laughs> yeah. And so he had to go home to see her. What is this line? He comes in and he's just like, she got the rag or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and a much more. She got the rag. All right. All right. All right. Like, I know um, Linklater had said that, like, a lot of places he pitched this movie to try to get a budget. They were like, awesome. That sounds great. Spiritual sequel to both Days and Confused and Boyhood at the same time. Fantastic. Can Wooderson be the coach? And he's like, no. (laughs) 
He can't. You know, I like this movie. I am not interested in any way of seeing a sequel to either Days and Confused or Boyhood, though. Well, that's why he keeps loosely terming it spiritual yeah. sequel. Yeah. Uh, does Kurt Russell like not play catch with his kid or something? Because why Russell here? His windup—he looks like he's never thrown a baseball before. Hold on, I'm watching it right now. Okay. He does a weird leg thing. I mean, he's, like, he's trying he's to do rubbery. the pitcher's leg kick, but it doesn't look natural. It doesn't look like this guy's ever pitched before. He's too rubbery. Oh, uh, they they reference like an old of the time baseball player that I actually got the reference back from when I actually like baseball. One of them wants to be like the next Nolan Ryan. I, I got that. I got that reference. Like Steve Rogers. <laughs> Only one of the greatest pitchers of all time. Yeah. I, I got that reference. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I don't know. If, yeah, whatever. I feel like Nolan Ryan's probably a huge hardcore racist in real life. He seems like it. Oh, he's from Texas. Probably. probably. Who was the one of one hand? Is that Oral Hershiser? Uh, Jim Abbott. Jim Abbott. Okay. I only Ross get like, Hershiser, I think, still has two hands. Uh, at least I haven't caught up with him yet. Well, that can change. Fucker. <laughs> Changing the blink of an eye. Um, I only know like seven sports references in general. So when I get one, it's a hey. big fucking to me. Throw a parade. Yeah. Gold star. Yeah, he's too rubbery like this, Wyatt. It just doesn't look like he's really pitching. This other guy looks like he put a little more effort into it, but still, like, his arm is coming out at, like, practically sidearm slot. Like, what is this guy doing? That's not pitching. Yeah, so as Willoughby's pitching, the coach, who's legally not allowed to show up for this practice, comes in to talk to him. And so he knows what it's going to be about. None of the rest of the team does. So he walks over to the coach, and he kind of glances over. I think he glances over at Jake, and he's just like, hey, you know what they say? I'm here for a good time, not a long time. You know what I mean? Yeah, he just leaves and you're like, okay. And then you eventually find out later that he's been like grifting and he's like 30 years old or something. And he's just been like changing his identity or transcripts or whatever to like basically live the eternal like college lifestyle of just like being a pitcher on baseball teams in college and just, yeah, just being a college. He's trying to rush more it. Yeah. He's trying to rush more it. Yeah. Um, so then, then Jay Niles, the rock dog tries to go against McReynolds from the mound to the plate. And he takes some deep. Yeah, I love that. I was I was curious how they were going to play it when he eventually gets up against Jake. It was like, oh, is Jake going to strike him out or something? But no, he like hits a double on him too. And and then he like he's not just like Mister Alpha Dog asshole. He he's like, hey man, we're like practicing here. Like you know, like you're not being a team player right now. Like he, there's a there's a method to his uh, his assholery, I guess you would say. Well, because there's there's and the rehearsal and the schedule the, the rehearsal. I said I did it like Beverly. And the schedule the rehearsal. There's like the batting practice portion, and then there's like the pitching portion where it's like you're trying to strike them out. Yeah, he's like, hey man, like, what are you trying to make the team during batting practice? Like, settle down, you know. And there's a there's an interesting bit there, like the 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 parts that I think other screenwriters or directors would really focus on. I love that Linklater. It almost seems accidental or like he doesn't give a shit. Like he's super laid back. There's a really good Hulu documentary or documentary you can find on Hulu about him where everyone just talks about how he's cool and laid back. But like the scout, the scout who like nobody knows if he's real because he won't let people see him because he's constantly like escalating his disguise. disguise, Yeah. Yeah. And so they spot it or I think uh, it's Roper spots him as like the house painter. Like like over the fence, like, yeah, like a hundred yards away, there's like a guy painting the house. It's like, oh man, it's the scout. He's in disguise. Like he's not even like looking at the game. And then like later on, Jake like tries to make a joke about it. He's like, hey man, this guy believes that was really the scout. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Are you saying he's yeah. not? What the fuck's wrong with you? Yeah. Well, it, it's, 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 
I've discovered more like uh, in talking with with friends about like a movie like Hereditary, which I still haven't seen. Mm. I think I prefer ambiguity at times more than I I prefer for it to be spelled out, and I kind of like that. You don't know. You know, I will say this about Hereditary: I uh, I got blown up by uh, somebody who didn't think I gave the the movie a fair shake. It's a well made movie. I just like my own personal emotional reaction to it was like fuck that movie. But um, if you are ever going to see it at all, see it in a the theater because there it's a really darkly lit movie. Mm-hmm. It would not be the same watching it at home. Like if you're watching at home, I feel like you'd just be like, I can't see anything for half the time. Uh, it's definitely there's something a, you need to see in the theater. There's a great half in the bag review on YouTube about that movie. Um, one of the details that I love that they go into is that a lot of these like Blumhouse or like when a 24 sinks to these kind of movies, they always like light the houses that people live in as super fucking dark and horrific when it's like, these are people's homes. <laughs> well, this is, it's dark, but it's not like, it's not cinematically dark. It's just dark, I guess I would say, you know? Okay. Yeah. Just, yeah. Go see that movie and then uh, walk around your house at night with the lights off. Have fun. Then do you recommend Did it happen to you? Did it happen to you? Mm. Did you have that thing where like, uh, you're a little spooked out, you're a little on edge, and then like you go into like the the bathroom to go pee, and like the lights not on, and like you're a little spooked out by your own reflection for half a second. Perhaps. Is that a move that you're doing? Are you doing like a thing there? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I'll say this: I uh, I'm not a superstitious man. I don't believe in that kind of shit. But uh, I would never go into the bathroom and do that whole Bloody Mary thing, just because why? Why tempt fate? You know. Well, also. You're not eight, right? It's not even about that, though. Like, I I firmly don't believe it, but why would I freak myself out like that? You know, it's better. You know, why whistle past the graveyard? That's what I'm saying. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Juice up. <laughs> so they they do the uh, time to musk up. <laughs> yeah. College prank thing where they like duct tape them all to the the fence and like hit batting practice at them. You know, it's it's not a bad prank in the sense that it's like essentially torture. Yeah, <laughs> it's like something a fucking just Bond villain with you to talk. Charming little college hazing, and then it's just a river. I don't know. They're not really floating. Like this is like the slowest river ever. I don't know. They're like they got like a bunch of inner tubes. Those are some classic, uh, like actual literal like inner tubes from like real tires, not like you know fake ones. Um, I think Guzman here he does like a. No, they're, they're little, inner tubes. I'm looking at the scene now. Yeah. No, I'd say they're inner tubes. They're not oh. like they're not like fake inner tubes. You know what I mean? Guzman is. Uh, he's got he's the, just wearing like his cup. Yeah. He's got the the jock strap and nothing else on. But you know what I mean? Now, like you can get an inner tube that's like it's not actually an inner tube from a tire. It's just like a, an inflatable circle. It's going to break when you get fucking weird with it. Yeah. Like these are like literal. You would like from tires inner tubes. Yeah. In the words of the movie, when you embrace your inner strange and that inner tube, it's going to break. Um, yeah, the goose, like after this movie in Boy Next Door, I feel like he's just like, he told his agent, you tell them yes when it comes to like, will I show my ass? I just, I kind of feel like he's a little bit wasted in this movie because he's yeah, clearly definitely. like, he's really feeling like his vibe, but he doesn't have a whole lot to do. He's always just kind of there as like the second dude, you know, he's always kind of like trailing Finnegan or McReynolds, or like somebody else. Like he doesn't have a whole lot to shine with himself. Mostly McReynolds, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
Like he he really should like decamp over to like Finnegan's world. Uh, I think he'd be a lot happier. Yeah, but I guess he's uh, older. I think we're supposed to gather, even though Jake looks older than him. <laughs> yeah. So there's like a little like caf- a kind of a cafeteria scene with these like guys, student like union or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Buter's like fucking realize what college is going to be like. Buter is like the other side of like the uh, Jerry O'Connell pep talk. From Can't Hardly Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Trick McNeely. Why haven't we done Can't Hardly Wait yet? We should just do like a like an extended like teen movie period. Um, I do feel like Set It Up would be good because it is Netflix. Like people could watch that, you know? Mm-hmm. I do believe that it would be better if nine times out of ten people could actually watch these movies. That's true. Though I do maintain that if we've done our job, you don't need to have. Um, yeah, so like they're getting some some chitty chat, some pep talking here. And then at some point they talk about, uh, Willoughby's like departure. Turns out he was, he was, a, he was faking it the whole time. I mean, you could just uh, lose Nesbitt from this whole movie. I don't think you're missing anything. I wanted the, the stand by me thing at the end where it's like, we find out like one of them died. 12 years later, like, yeah, Nesbitt got stabbed in the neck in a McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> um, the guy who played Dale, like, I really want to see what that guy's going to go on to. Like, this guy would have been a really good if guys, he didn't have Donald Glover as, like, as like a Lando type. A lot of these guys, like, have not been in much. Yeah. Like, a lot of TV, and that's it. Yeah. I uh, think Nesbitt's on fucking Walking Dead, which just tells you everything you need to know. God. Um, and then there's, like, some weird like poker game where like the joke is that the, like the freshman doesn't realize they're all fucking with him or something like that. And just making him drink beer and get drunk. Yeah. Oh, Canada, the card game sounds like a lot of fun. It has nothing on true American from new girl. I, I am kind of impressed with these ridiculous like card games that have like, complicated rules that you'll never fully understand. Cause they're all fake. So plumber has like one good move in this whole movie here. which he's got like a beer in each hand as he's talking to Jake here. You like see him take a swig from his left hand and then he like raises up his right hand. He's got another beer. Yeah, yeah. Um, fucking Jake. So yeah, so this is when Jake's talk, like trying to explain to like his fellow freshmen, like the scouts not not real. Blah blah blah. Um, this is when Jake mentions that he's gonna go to like the theater party, mm-hmm. and this is when I wrote in all caps my note, like, "Oh shit, Jake, don't invite these jackasses to Beverly's party. You're going to ruin everything." Um, because I almost felt like for a brief moment I was like, "Is the movie going to conspire to like take?" more potential Zoe Deutsch scenes away from me because yeah. then I might um but of course he's going to cave to the peer pressure of his bros and Finnegan well it's a lot of like hey man area. I didn't say you couldn't come I just didn't think you'd want to <laughs> yeah well Finnegan's great about like he turns it around to get to the point where he forces Jake to invite him mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then they walk into this place and like so don't come around here no more. Hadn't happened yet, right? Like I feel. I don't like, think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the vibe. That's the unspoken vibe. Like the, I don't, there's I, a fucking dude like sitting on the floor in like a black and white spiral or something. I want my next party to have a guy chilling at the end of a table, pretending that the cake, the sheet cake in front of him, is his body as we cut into it, mm-hmm. which they later stole from a stole into a Star Trek Next Generation scene. Mm. Hi, I'm a nerd. Um, all of the like hanging lights when they first walk in are just top hats, which is, oh man, yeah. isn't there like a, a Venture a, Brothers party like this at one point? Maybe uh, there's a Cat in the Fridge. That that show's coming back soon. I need to rewatch the last season. Was, the last season of that show is really good. 
It's in the last season when they're in New York. Yeah. That was a good Mitchell season. Brothers. It ended too soon, but it was like that was a surprisingly solid season. Let me throw this out at the world. Is there a Venture Brothers podcast? There ought to be. Um, <laughs> they only record once every three years. Yeah. <laughs> the Fridge is... It's crazy that that show's been on for like almost 20 years, it feels like. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think Jackson Public and the other guy have gone on to to a lot of other things. But yeah, like Homeland. seriously. Are they on Homeland? Uh, Jack's, I think it was Jackson Public was Christian like... Christian McCulloch? No, it was Jackson Public, I'm pretty sure, was like the, uh, oh, so the lie detector guy. Public's real name. Yeah. Okay. He was the lie detector guy on Homeland. I oh think. no, no, no! You're thinking of. Oh, maybe um, that was Doc Hammer. You're thinking of Doc. You're thinking of Doc Venture himself. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was. Okay, it. let me look up his name. So Doc Hammer and Christopher McCulloch slash Jackson Public are the writer slash creators. Mm-hmm. The voice of Doctor Venture. That dude has been on fucking everything um, as an actor of late, and his name is James Urbaniak. James Urbaniak. Okay, that's who I was thinking of. If you. Google James Urbaniak, listeners. You will recognize his face and or voice. He's been in everything, including Difficult People, which is a great show, which unfortunately got canceled. Um, anyway, so yeah, Beverly is is dressed like ultra sexy Alice from Alice in Wonderland, and she's totally cool with these assholes being at her party, and I was just like shocked, and it made me laugh for even I mean, more. I guess they're not being huge jackasses. Like, they're trying to vibe. Like, that is these, these guys, like, one saving grace is like, they're not there just to be assholes. Like they are trying to get laid. So they're like, they're going to take it down a notch to like try to adjust to the room. <laughs> at one point, Roper's utterly fascinating because he's like at this weird like kissing circle where he kisses a girl and then she kisses the girl next to him. Mm-hmm. And he's just like fucking amazed that he made that like happen. Like he willed that into the world. Um, the squished revenge bro is like fascinating because there's a cat in the fridge in the weird fridge. Um, <laughs> yeah, that cat in the fridge. Yeah. According to the, this is your pointless fact. According to the real the, the credits, the, the the cat wrangler is the subject matter of the real life subject matter of Linklater's film Bernie, who was played by Jack Black in that movie. Kind of, it's like his, a reference to that. Yeah, his one job is that he like wrangled this cat. I like um, Finnegan just like effortlessly adopts like the top hat. Mm-hmm. Like he just puts it on and like he's like, yeah, I'm top hat guy now. Yeah. He's talking about his sign with the, this one chick. They make yeah. Well, and like the other guys are giving him shit. Like, uh, you know, if what was it? The one fucker says, like, if I had to, like, die a virgin or, like, get some astrological girl, I'd rather die a virgin. And then Finnegan kind of breaks down, like, the cool guy mode, like, fades where he's like, guys, like, when we're playing baseball, all we talk about is girls. And then when we're with girls, all we want to fucking talk about is baseball. It's crazy to me. And there's this whole weird dating game business with like the Mad Hatter and Queen of Hearts and I don't know. This is so theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this is where he shows up at, as the uh, the White Rabbit, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah. By the way, Zoe Deutsch can do a fantastic uh, uh, British accent for this. So it just becomes the Zoe Deutsch pod. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm totally okay with that. It's not even a joke. Like, okay, so... This movie is essentially not so much giving you her character. Like she's basically just being offered up as like from Jake's perspective, here's your your ultimate cool girlfriend material character. Which I'm trying to think in movies when I've seen this before. Uh like Mia Sarah in um Ferris Bueller's Bueller? Yeah. Um maybe I'm one picked up on it, like uh, Gretchen Ross and Donnie Darko. Like 
she was essentially pitch painted as like the cool girlfriend for this this kind of weird antisocial like, kid. Run over. Eventually, yes. Uh, I don't know. I get a little bit of a different vibe from Beverly here. Um, I I guess I I think we're supposed to understand that um, they have a connection here that kind of transcends their their social circles. I guess. Oh, like I, and and, I, and more so on his part than hers. He's willing to kind of reach them. reach outside of of his uh, you know baseball like dude bro vibe. Yeah, he's willing to bridge them. But I mean, like, she is so good at what she's given here that the whole time I'm like, what's the Beverly movie like? It, Granted, it's a totally I different was, movie. But I was thinking, like, what is just the, the girl side of this movie like? Yeah. Because it's kind of fascinating that a Finnegan will end up with the uh, the roommate. Mm-hmm. For really essentially doing nothing. For just shutting yeah. up for once. Yeah. Just got his hat on and he's happy. And they just start immediately making out. Well, okay, he kind of adopts the Jake line. I'm just, I'm just not a guy who talks a lot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, then they have their walk in the woods, and he. It's a lot of jumpers in this movie. Jumpers, yeah. Mm-hmm. He asked, ask you know, like, do you really like the, the the quiet guy in the back seat, or are you just trying to fuck with the other guys in the car? And she's like, a little column A, a little column B. Does um, she think he's cute? Yeah, but would she like? Would she go across a crowded room to like tell him that? No. Which is, which is so many like relationships. I think you, you know, especially if you've known the person for a long time, you will later find out. Yeah, it's funny. We could have we could have gotten together a long time ago, but that wasn't the situation. Do you think these guys uh, last at all? I think well, it's hard for me to answer that because I, you know, I've grown up with this director and in, in the before movies, and mm-hmm. it's like I think that's kind of the question. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, don't know. They they seem like a, a cute couple. Yeah. So this is this is presumably the same like like Crystal Lake that they that they the bros were in earlier. Yeah, I assume so. It's I don't know if it's a lake or a pond or a river or what. Like it's not moving very fast, that's for sure. But yeah, they're just chilling okay. out in it. I mean, it's closer to. I'm presuming it's closer to the guy's house than like her house at this point. So. This is where a potential smashing would have smashed. I just don't think they did personally. I don't know. I feel like you would have got more of an implication there. You don't think that there's like a, a post um, Alice in Wonderland themed dating game performance just like theater high like we got to fuck it out right now? Mm, I just I feel like we would have seen it maybe. I don't know. Maybe not okay. just because this movie's so non-conventional. But I don't know. I, I felt like maybe the point the movie is trying to make is like this this wasn't just like the random hookup. Like these two are actually into each other. So they're like, maybe like playing a little more romantic. Maybe that's just, I, reading I what buy I'm it. Reading. Cause from this point on, I am totally invested in their cuteness mm-hmm. and I'm, you know, I'm not that guy, but like, I'm just like, I'm into this couple. Good for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he goes back to her place and the next scene is, you know, we see like him passed out on her bed as she's like getting dressed for class, which is imminent. And, she doesn't realize at one point as she's like fixing her dress and getting her jewelry on that he kind of like wakes up and watches her and he's just kind of happy to like be there mm-hmm. to like take her in and she's putting like her slip on and and, and maybe relaxed for like the first time since he's gone to college you know yeah like the the performance is kind of over he can like things are gonna be okay what is this fucking device on her desk Device you see this on thing? your desk? Are you talking about that? I think it's a mirror. I think it's a vanity. Oh, okay, it's like a little okay. mini, like fold-out vanity. 
Doesn't that look like a like a 2001 Space Odyssey like iPad or something? No, it, it looks like the um the 20th 20th anniversary Mac is what it looks like. Kind okay. of. Okay. Kind of. It's it's like a a mirror thing of lights that opens up. There's like there's like a dial on it and everything. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, I think it's just a little mini vanity. The kind you take to college, I guess. But yeah, it kind of feels like he he can be more himself. I guess is the kind of understated idea that's being communicated here. Well, and just again, that, that, you know, everyone has had that thing where it's like you go on a date or something and like suddenly the thing lasts like 12 hours mm-hmm. and it's like, you still don't want it like, to be over. You don't like want crazy, stupid love. 100%. Mm-hmm. Do they go on a long date in that? Oh yeah. They have the all night talk. That movie is like 50% good. 50% terrible. Yeah. We saw that together, right? Oh yeah. With peanut. That's right. That's right. That was, you know, I did enjoy that movie. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was the company. But yeah, his 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 move is the dirty dancing thing. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah, David Lynn David Um Yeah, so of course he's got to go to class. She's got to go to class. And I just love the, you want to stop and see if the other person will look back and they are and then you feel good. Well, and then and he, he goes he, off. The- he has the conversation with Plummer here. Plummer's just like, you know, talking about how you're like hooked up with some chick or whatever. And I feel like that to me cements more that like, they had like more of the connection than this dude had, you know, like this wasn't just a hookup for him. Yeah, exactly. Well, you're talking about whether, whether there was like actual sex or a connection and mm-hmm. like the two are not. Yeah. The, the both can happen in the same universe, but yeah, of course, Dale and, and Finn got to witness that sweet little moment and tease him. So they're going to be a continuing orbiting nature. I can't fucking stand this other guy's voice. Oh, plumber. Oh, yeah. Plumber. And uh, I hate to be stuck in a class for a semester next to this asshole. Yeah. And then he, he goes to sleep and he smiles first day of school. And he's already sleeping. Yeah. Anyway. Well, the first thing the professor writes on the board is frontiers are where you find them. Oh, you know, I had a few things in my notes. I never brought up. So I'll just bring them up now. Um, Do it. These guys are all supposed to be freshmen in college. They look, they all look like they're in the early twenties, right? Mm-hmm. How did you feel about the lip syncing scene at the beginning where they're, is that like Sugarland Express? Is that what they're doing there? Oh, I think so. Yeah. It felt a little false to me, I guess. I feel like they were trying for the Bohemian Rhapsody moment, but I just, mm-hmm. I didn't really buy it with that song in particular. Yeah. It's, it's also, I feel like it's too early in the movie too. Yeah. It's, it's literally like seven minutes into this <laughs> movie. And like I has mentioned, I'm on questionable ground with the movie as it is. So, what did you think of the vibe? Yet. Finnegan has a a nice line here where he says they're like invite these two chicks to party, and he says we look forward to seeing all of you there. Yeah, yeah. Again, that that to me that Double was like my red flags. That was your red flag. Okay, that was one of my red flags. So like like I said, it's by the end play. of the movie, yeah, by the end of this movie, I was loving it. Um, which makes me look back more fondly on some of those moments. But like the first half an hour, I was like, I don't know about this. <laughs> I really don't know. About Did this. you watch the credits? Um, there's like I a whole for like the pictures. Yeah. Did you watch the whole thing where it's like this behind the scenes? Like basically, they know. all like wrap their characters. Like it's weird. It's like oh, Ryan okay. Guzman starts out. It's like this whole like rapping thing where they keep handing it off to like new people and they're like rapping about their characters and whatnot. It's it's kind of awkward, but kind of endearing. Interesting. Okay. I'm seeing it now. It's like yeah. kind of like drag my mouse over it. 
it's uh, it's something. Well, uh, it's what I'll be watching when we finish. All right. Uh, well, let's see. Make one change. Um, my make my make one change would be probably something towards the beginning and kind of uh, there's some great kind of absurd moments that take you into the movie. Um, I, I guess I would have to do a pass over that because, like I said, like you know when they're like singing in the car there, I'm not totally feeling it. But at the same time, I also I want more Beverly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they gets a lot of lot of time out of the real estate they have in their relationship, where like you don't think about Beverly for like fifty minutes of the movie, and then suddenly she's a, a fairly big deal, or maybe just to me. Um, so somewhere in those would be like what I would do a pass on. Oh, okay, yeah, I had more Beverly written down as well. Also, I just I feel like we could have had a two minute long Ryan Guzman dance sequence, like just a big disco scene, like like we saw in something like boogie nights like i'd be down for that you can't go mm-hmm. wrong there and, and mcreynolds i throw in more mcreynolds too mm-hmm. it's like imported italian well, i mean finnegan yeah finnegan like takes over the movie at one point i think yeah um, but i mean or, that's that's what a finnegan would do you know yeah yeah well i think that says a lot about jake is that that's who he gravitates more towards is the finnegan side of things mm-hmm all right. Well, uh, your power rankings. I have like one. I don't know if I call this honorable mention, but uh, number eleven, I guess. And then I have ten. Um, I kept it to ten. So obviously, I exclude a lot of folks. So, what's your honorable mention? So this guy would probably be more like twenty, but uh, Buter. I just fucking hated that guy. Okay. Fuck that guy. Stupid. Hick. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Buter. I don't hate as much as like say Nesbit or Pubestash. Oh, see, I hated Buter more. Wouldn't get out of the room, man. What the fuck, bro code. I, I but again, I, my when I get to my power rankings for the film at this point, I'm 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 not just thinking like solely in the mind of character. I get, maybe that's a huge flaw here, but mm-hmm. I'm also thinking about like actors' work, writing, like presentation, like me, the viewer. How much am I appreciating the tension here? So mm-hmm. um, I kind of step out of it. So, so okay, what's your number ten? No, you go first. I just went. My number ten is. Um, for like the same criteria I just mentioned, Jay Niles, the raw dog, just because <laughs> when that character shows up, like he's going to give you some fucking business. Like, like I think normally if I was just thinking of characters that who I want to hang out with, this guy would be like 30. Um, but this is a character like this kind of archetype should not work at all. I should fucking hate this guy. And I kind of enjoyed his like manic weirdness. Um, I kind of feel like I know like three or four different guys who could be like Frankenstein into this dude. So I, I grew to appreciate him. Yeah, I had, had J10 as well, Mr. Rawdog. Uh, if only for his one, it's a brief moment after McReynolds takes him deep in batting practice there when he just kind of comes up and he's just like, hey, man, uh, that, was a, that was a nice swing there, or whatever he says. You know, he kind of acknowledges that, like, hey, you were right. Like, I'm, I'm being an asshole, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, he's, a, he's like the first character that, uh, that Jake sees, and he's a dick even then. Mm-hmm. Um, which I mean, that's I don't know. I don't I don't really relate to guys at all. But like, I think you're supposed to return the bro nod when you get it. Like, and like that's kind of a big faux pas. Or like, it's a yeah, whatever. Stop saying bro code. I don't know what that is. <laughs> oh come uh, on, you don't know what bro code is. Get the fuck out of here. You know what bro code is. I feel like I'm constantly dropping the ball on bro code. I put it mm, that way. Yeah. Tell me some bro code then. What am I missing? You know the bro code. It's like you don't take the stall, the urinal next to a dude. You don't, you know, go after another dude's <laughs> girlfriend when they break up. I mean, it's just simple stuff like that. You return the bro nod. 
you get out of your room if uh, your your bro has a lady friend and you don't. It's broken. Broken all of those tenants. Um, oh, man. my number nine is mm-hmm. uh is Buter just because like you see Buter and he's like the guy who's like crying on the phone of his girlfriend and then he's like doing this weird thing where he won't surrender the room and it's this weird power play between him and Jake and like there's like a subtle form of trolling and so I started to think like okay Buter's like going to be a potentially very interesting character like he's going to be like the subtle nemesis to jake and then he's not i'm just, I'm just um, amazed you don't have it number one i <laughs> feel personally insulted by that that's of like the hundred things you've said that are super insulting to me like that's mm, okay. like number five mm-hmm. what's plumber. your mind i don't know plumber sucks i don't know plumber? why i put it he's the, the guy you hate the the uh what do you call him the squished uh, guy from revenge Oh yeah, I hate that guy. But I mean, like, I don't know. It's like, do you hate him more than like Brumley or like Nesbit or which one's Brumley? He's the pubes ash guy. Oh yeah, I don't yeah. Even have a name for that fucker. Yeah, I mean, they they call him out right at the beginning. Like, what is that shit on your lip? Mm-hmm. Let me tell you how much I hate those those gamma guys. My number eight is Val. Who's Get it, Val? girl. Val is the girl that Jake first hooks up with. Okay, not Michelle, but Val. Yeah, okay. I yeah, night, Val two, night two at the uh, at the sound machine, she's moved on to a football guy. Yeah, and like Dale it. has to point out, like, equal opportunity. This girl can get it just as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Way to go, Val. Right on. Number eight, I had Beverly's roommate. Who okay, Ronald. Seemingly does not have a name, as far as I can tell in this movie, but Beverly's roommate. She ends up with okay. Finn again at the end. What do you go Finnegan? Um, so here's where we get crazy. This is where I'm going to get a lot of shit from you. My number seven. Wait, what was your number eight? Oh, number was, eight oh that's right. I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. My number seven, Jake. Hmm. Okay. Not a fan of Jake, huh? It's not so much that I'm not a fan hmm. of Jake. Uh, it wasn't the beginning. Jake eventually grew me once, once he started like focus more on Beverly. Um, I saw him through the beautiful window that is Beverly's storyline, but like, I appreciated some of the aspects like because you're in Jake's shoes, essentially. And so through him, I appreciate a lot of the other characters that are my my top six. How so high? How high do you have Jesse Camp in your ratings? Uh, he's not on here at all. Of course. he is. Uh, OK. Oh, I'm sorry. The number five most insulting thing you think is it just <laughs> we got eclipsed by the number four. Man. Oh, yeah. Uh, what are we at? Number seven. Yeah. What's your number seven? At Roper, yeah, I feel like he could have been higher, but he just he didn't have the material to work with, you know. Okay, he needed his dancing. The thing is, Roper wanted to be higher for you. He wanted to. He wanted to, yeah. Which is why he wanted to. He wanted to make up for uh, the girl next door. Yeah, he he had him six. Had him six. Like (laughs) just the amount of like ass work (laughs) that Ryan Guzman is willing to do in his films. God, give really ass. Yeah, like. Would Jake on PLL have been much more interesting if he was just like, right, Ezra, let's <laughs> let's flex our buns for Arya's affection. Let's have an ass off. Yeah. Ian Harding, sweet guy, great face. No. Would have lost. Yeah, please. <laughs> uh, number, what do we got, six? Yeah. I feel like I'm not getting drunk enough from this. I don't know. Uh, you want just for a minute and just, you just take a sip? Just take a sip. Just one, two, yeah. three, sip. This podcast doesn't have to end until you're like shit faced. We can draw this out all night. God, I have to work tomorrow. Excellent. Number, where are we at? Six? Yes. <laughs> I had Willoughby. 
Okay. He um I feel like he he's another character that could have had more, but I was fine with where he was. He was uh mm-hmm. he's a little mercurial. He's a little bit of a philosopher. He's got his cosmos. I just uh-huh. I feel like Wyatt Russell, uh, who was also I feel like not exactly the same role, but occupied a similar vibe in uh, Ingrid Goes West. Uh, same as in this movie, but like he's still waiting for that that breakout role. That's not just like the hippie guy. Okay. Um, I'll agree with that. That's why uh, Willoughby is actually my number five. Mm. Um. I feel Wyatt like Russell, our, ours are all going to be the same except for Jake from here on out, but we'll see. Yeah, Wyatt Russell is one of those guys where like, I know he's in an episode of Black Mirror. It's like one of the five I haven't seen. Um, Which it, and everybody that? has he's the one, it's the Black Mirror of Wyatt Russell. I, I, <laughs> it's like a video I've, game one. I've not watched since season two. It's, sure. it's not in the last season. It's in the season before. It's in the San Junipero season. Not seen that. Um, you, you need to go watch San Junipero. Um, That's what I hear. Yeah, um, it's pronounced Ibiza. Anyway, um, like everyone has those couple movies that they should see that's in their wheelhouse that they haven't seen. So Inger Goes West is one of those for me. As far as I'm concerned, Willoughby is a role that a guy like Wyatt Russell could go retire on. Like he could oh, yeah. go, he, he just go move to Oregon, guy. open an ashram, and just like start a religion that's going to get fifty to seventy people, and maybe even like Chloe from Smallville to recruit girls for him. Mm. Like, oh, like it got I, dark. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to like this character. And by the end, he's like, I don't know. It's, I do, it really I, worked out well for me. I yeah. do feel like Wyatt Russell has a vibe where I always start out suspicious of him. But like in the end, I'm like, oh, he seems like a decent bro. Um, to call yeah. it back to Hereditary again, uh, speaking of Ingrid Goes West. Wow. Hereditary is the most uncomfortable I've been in a movie since Ingrid Goes West. That movie is incredibly uncomfortable. I almost walked out of that movie. What about before? Ooh, really? Go on. It's just uncomfortable as fuck. Like, it's just like, oh, God, I can't take this. This is so awkward. What are the top five films which you've been uncomfortable in public watching? Well, I've already told you two. Okay. Um, I don't know the others. I mean, uh, watching, watching Starship Troopers with uh, my dad at home. Your dad? That was, that was uncomfortable. Yeah. What about Wild Things with your dad? I don't think I watched that with him. Really? You've told me you have. No, no, no. He he talked about it with me, but we didn't watch it together. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Didn't your dad say something about he the said, tits no, in the he, shower scene of Starship Troopers? Uh, so the thing about Wild Things is that he said after he the threesome scene that he turned it off because he knew where it was going from there. And I was just like, I don't think you did. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, where are we at? Number five? Yeah. I'm a man Dale. Just a solid, okay. solid contributor, man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we've, we've fallen into a certain pattern here. Uh, Dale's my number four. Fucking A, man. Yeah, Dale's, Dale's awesome. Like, Dale is the guy who... He has a little bit of his own character, but Dale's kind of the guy who's just there to kind of explain where everyone else is to, to Jake, including where Jake is himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really relies on, like, a strong actor. I'm trying to remember what's the guy who plays... Dale, played by Jake Quinn Johnson. Yeah, uh, it takes a strong actor to like take that role and kind of infuse it with its own personality. Also, he has to be kind of hurt. very solid, you know, very stable. 
but also it's it's a weird place too because you are the only African American actor in this 1980s Texas college set movie, mm-hmm. yeah. and he he never like is is sh- I don't want to say shackled by that that's terrible. Um, he's never like burdened by that. He's he's fantastic. Like I think he might be one of the few guys in the the group that we're following who has the most fun, like the country western bar mm-hmm. and everything. Like Dale is just totally comfortable in this this world, and it's it's. It's partially the role and it's partially like the actor is really good. Yeah. Yeah. Like we were talking about earlier, like him and Finnegan or they don't feel threatened by the young guys. Dale mm-hmm. is just like, he knows exactly who he is and he's just, you know, moving on and vibing. Uh, yeah. yeah. At number four, I have my man, Jake. Okay. Why is your man? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. He's you. Do you identify with Jake? Do you see yourself as Not a little bit of a Jake? Really? No. Okay. But um, I don't know. I liked his uh, his essay. That was a good line. Mm. But uh, I don't know. I, I think Jake's what made me like him was just noticing that he wasn't actually smoking pot in that one scene. Like, and he does it very subtly. I was just like, okay, I understand his character now. Because until then, he's a little bit of a cipher. He was mm-hmm. just like there, like along for the ride. And then I was just like, oh, okay, I, I feel like I understand his character a little bit now. Like I finally got something from him that wasn't okay. just like going along with everyone else. Word. Um, my number three is my bro McReynolds. This dude can slice a baseball in, in half with an axe in midair mm-hmm. twice. Yeah. <laughs> um, this Triple is like, this is like a, I don't want to say career making role, but like teen what? I just don't know how this guy goes back to like Superman after this. Yeah. I feel like you just send that scene into like the, uh, the people. Um, you're like, yeah, I'll be your Superman. Sure. I'll do it. Mm -hmm. Can Superman have a mustache? Apparently not. Uh, my number three, Finnegan. Okay. Wow. Okay. Gotta put Finnegan up there. Yeah. I'm very curious about what your number two is then. Uh, well, well, we'll see. I think I know who your number one is, but uh, I don't know. You'd we'll be a fucking idiot at this point not to know. <laughs> My number two is Finnegan. Um, okay. Finnegan is like the character that like I was groomed to like one of the, one of the characters I was groomed to dislike at the end. Like he's the mouth character. Um, but there's like a heart to Finnegan. There's an understanding of his place. I think subtly. Other than Jake, I think Finnegan has kind of a journey in this movie. Other than he, I, I always forget in the one and a half times that I watched this since we assigned this to ourselves mm-hmm. that he's shotgun in the car. He's the guy who gets shot down, you know, with yeah. Roper by the girls. Um, See, and so he kind of. Uh, I would say that Finnegan doesn't so much have like a journey to go on as much as he's already there. But we only discover it through the course of the movie. It'd be how I describe him. He's at the end of a journey and he's he's learning it. And we're kind of there for those final realizations. But he's realizing that, like, you don't always have to talk your way out of a situation that sometimes, you know, you can find yourself just in a moment of of contentness and being like, hey, I got nothing to say here. I'm just happy. I can't believe we're getting two hours out of this movie. Um, I could go another hour. Yeah, really? Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you could go another hour on your number one. We're at number two now. Is that right? Yeah. Let me just talk about my number one's hair. No, yeah, okay. go ahead. Let me just blow your mind here because my number two is Beverly. A delight. Could have used a lot more with her. Number two? Mm-hmm. Yeah, your number one better be amazing. 
But who have you not said? Oh, don't think about it. Just you, you, you talk about Beverly for a while. No, you, she's your number two. She's I mean, I haven't two. said my number one. Your yeah. number one's so Beverly, obviously. Zoe Deutsch. She's on the wall. The wall? The theoretical wall, yeah. What's the theoretical wall? Is this part, is this Broco thing that I don't get? You can remember the wall. It's just like your, your pop culture icons, you know? I mean, okay. K-Stew's on the wall. Zoe Deutsch is on yeah. the wall. Mm-hmm. Who else is on the wall? Who's on your wall? Uh, Ewan McGregor, obviously. Am I wrong, dude? Now, when you say wall, I feel like 15 years ago, you would have been saying spank bank to this. No, uh, no, that's not the wall. It's just like, these are the, the pop this culture. This is your vision board. Yeah, sure. Your style guide, okay. Mm-hmm. Who's on your wall? Oh, man, I don't even know. Um... Obviously, Keegan Allen. No, I okay. can't, can't back that up. I can't back this that up. This Foreverland. <laughs> yeah, Zoe Deutsch, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I... I will say this. I think this movie made me appreciate her even more than I did. I thought she was fucking great in Vampire High. What was that movie? Vampire Academy. <laughs> Vampire Academy. Not as good as that um, one Russian dude, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but she... Like here, we've always talked about, like, especially in the podcast that people haven't had the pleasure to listen to, we've always talked about, like, here's the sad fucking truth of Hollywood that we only kind of acknowledge, like, in the mainstream. There are so, 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 so many great, capable, brilliant young actresses, Mm -hmm. so few compelling, interesting, charismatic young male actors. And, like, Here's a Zoe Deutsch who's fantastic. Give her good material and she'll make it even better and she'll be kind of gorgeous while she's at it. And, and I think it's tangential that she's like uh, related to a Hollywood star from the 80s. Um, so while that all may be so true, movie, I, am, I think I realized because she's such a nothing role here and she's so good with it. While that all may be true, I was thinking while watching this movie, there are a lot of actors in this movie. Obviously, it's a total sausage fest. Like, you know, you got your Dale, your Finnegan, your Willoughby, your Roper, your uh, Jake, your McReynolds, whatever. Like, those guys could probably be in more movies, you know? Like, I'm sure that, I'm sure we could we could ditch our Sam Worthingtons and our uh, uh, Jai Courtney's for these guys and not really miss a step. I will say, like, I, I had to mention at the start of this that uh, Jake, uh, the former Mr. Supergirl, was really good in like edge of 17. And I think that's a good role. I don't think he's bad in it. He's a fine actor. Um, some of the actors just don't, don't grab me. They don't compel me. I'm not mm-hmm. interested in what they're going to do. And he's one of those guys. Oh, so yeah. I, I, yeah, that's case. fair. Sorry, Jake. Um, like, you know, who's a really good like director for just capturing like guys who weren't going to offend is JJ Abrams. Yeah, that's true. Most of his leading men. What happened to like, like all the kids from Super Eight? I mean, obviously Elfanian took off, but I guess none of the other ones did. Well, I think those kids formed a support group to get fucking pissed off about your Finn Wolfhards biting on their game. Ah, God! And ripping fucking them off. Finn yeah, don't get me started on that kid. Yeah, don't get me started on the Stranger Things. And they J.J. Abrams got there first. Mm-hmm. Super Eight. Um, but like a guy like Michael Vartan, like in any other role, I should <laughs> fucking hate that guy. Um, he's fantastic in in Alias. He's like no, he's a totally unassuming bro. Um, you're fucking Scott Speedman's of the world. The other Scott too. The other guy who should go unnamed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So 
But Zoe Deutsch, I think this is the movie where I was like, man, she's really good with like very little to do. And like her character. I think it shows that she has the natural charisma to pull off like whatever you feed her. Yeah. Yeah. But I like, I, I'm like, I'm like reading all these layers that maybe half of them are just made up in my head. But like I said, the one where like, I don't know that these characters have a ton in common yet. They're totally going to vibe together because of whatever. And like, I find them cute together. They're working. And it's like, that seems so easy. And, and it's this mercurial mystical thing that is like chemistry Mm-hmm. and yet it works and i just yeah i think she's great uh, so i really am looking forward to set it up set it off set it up and off anyways you know, one. i gotta go that real quick set it up and also I, I ask you is there a sexier cast in these four people who four people in the four the people four, in this one, movie set it up yeah lucy Liu, tay diggs glenn powell and zoe deutsch is that what you're talking about yeah yeah yeah, yeah probably not I mean, maybe like closer. That's a sexy cast. Except for one. Like you, but sweeter. Yeah. <laughs> when are we going to do closer? That'll be fun. Because I'm a fucking caveman. I need to start out like one Gene T in. We already do that movie. Oh, seriously. Oh, it's, uh, listeners, you're listening. Mm-hmm. Let's crowdfund this. Start tweeting at Benjamin Line. Tweet mm-hmm. at your boy. Let's get the clouds are going happening here. That's going to be off the rails. What's your number one? Who do you think? It's fucking McReynolds, man. Okay, right on. I just McReynolds, he just he got it done for me. He's the man. He's got a sweet swing. Yeah, you like a sweet swing. Yeah, he's he's good. He was the only one who convinced me as an athlete. Yeah. No, I was all in on McReynolds. I couldn't believe that was Superman. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. That guy, I mean, I gotta say, like, I was like really down on number one, you have a show called Supergirl. You're switching networks in season two. You need to prove yourself. You have a, a fantastic dynamic lead cast. All the women on the Supergirl are great. All the men are trash. Not so much, yeah. Like, why the fuck are you bringing in Superman in season two, episode one? And you're casting this nobody as fucking Superman? And then by the end of those episodes, I was like, well, number one, I still don't know why you need Superman. But yeah, he's good. He, well, he know, works. I'll say this for McReynolds. He... When he first is introduced, he's all weird. Like he's like, I hate pictures. He's like, like an asshole. And you're prepared mm-hmm. to hate him, but uh, I feel like he rose to the occasion. You know, you kind of, you kind of saw where he was coming from by the end of the movie. Well, it's it's um, voluntary is mandatory. Yeah. Well, who is the one who points out the picture? Is it Willoughby who who points out the thing that like these guys they just see us as the necessary evil? Yeah. I mean, there's a philosophy mm-hmm. to baseball that I personally would never bring the sports ball and they totally have in this movie i I gotta say this movie like it kind of surprised me i'm really glad you picked this i I was kind of dreading it the first half an hour and like (laughs) it got at me at all the parts where like i hadn't thought about baseball in a long time so yeah all right all right would you recommend this movie i take it's a yes it's it's a yes i mean i still feel like this is not going to be a movie for everyone and i don't i don't know how to set it up for people to like fully bring them in so if you find it and it works for you I'm, I'm i'm thrilled for you great for you i mean this is a movie you can just kind of put on and watch it doesn't demand your full attention but it rewards it all the same um mm. it's not i feel like you're never going to like really hit like an emotional high while watching this movie no. you know but like it just it kind of washes over you and it's uh it's pleasant if nothing else you know yeah i mean it's not 
it's not a totally safe movie in the sense that it's not like other movies. There's no plot. Mm-hmm. It's, um, I mean, it's very much a Richard Linklater movie. Yeah. Like to the point where there's no plot where like it couldn't even have been based on a play. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I guess we're going to set it up next week. The Netflix yeah. movie. Yeah. So as I understand it, this movie is about how Lucy Liu is a nightmare boss and Tay Diggs is a nightmare boss and their assistants want them to fuck. So they'll have some like free time. Is it, but like secretly Finnegan is into Zoe Deutsch and vice versa is like that the deal or something like that. I, why well, I, I don't know how you couldn't meet Zoe Deutsch and be into her. Mm-hmm. So I presume. Yeah, sure. It's like they both end up with their bosses or, or their alternate bosses. Yeah. Hmm. End up with their alternate bosses. Like he's going to have sex with Lucy Liu. Well, no, I'm, I'm assuming that like, so is whose boss is who, who, whose boss is, uh, it's it's gender Powell. it's gender coded like Glenn Powell is Tay Diggs's boss. Okay, so he's yeah. gonna not, he's gonna try to movie? no I haven't he's gonna so I'm just assuming that he's gonna try to set up Tay Diggs with Zoe Deutsch, but secretly he's into Zoe Deutsch himself. Is that what it is, or that's gonna be where it goes? Yeah, eventually, eventually it's like a two tier vice romance. versa with Lucy Liu and yeah. So every time I log into Netflix, Netflix deigns to put this at the top and they auto play the trailer. Mm. And because it's Zoe Deutsch, I watch the entire trailer every single time. Mm-hmm. I know what show I want to go watch or whatever. <laughs> this is the first time I know what I want to watch. I'm not scrolling, but I'm just like, oh, what the fuck? I'll let this trailer entirely play. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Hour and 45 minutes. I can live with that. Yeah. Okay, cool. I mean, this movie's two hours and uh, everybody wants some with two exclamation points. Mm-hmm. So, like, I was really dreading that at first, too. After we had the sweet. 90 minutes of boy next door i feel like this movie goes by faster than boy next door does at least for me okay anyway yeah yeah we'll be doing uh set it up that's a bad title yeah well it's gonna get that out of the way right now it's a bad title let me put this way it's not called you know what i'm talking about Mm -hmm. that's also a bad title yeah what's the the one from uh the we hate movies not long ago like the you gotta do it you gotta do it. <laughs> yeah, I got it, guys. Gotta, I got it. it. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Chad too. <laughs> All right. Well, until then, have a good one. Peace be with you. <laughs>